This is an interview for the Grove Library Cottesloe with Fleur Arrow, held at her home on the 20th of October 2010. The interviewer is Heather Campbell. Fleur, could we start off with your full name and include your maiden name? Right, my name is Fleur Rosemary. It's Arrow now, but it was Harvey. My mother was fond of flowers, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and um, whereabouts were you born? When and where were you born? I was born in Devonley Hospital, which isn't there anymore. It's off Stirling Highway. Uh, and I was living always in Dean Street. I, the first house, it's hard for me to remember the number, but I think it was about nine or ten and then we shifted up to 18 Dean Street which was the corner of Avermore Terrace and Dean Street. And so you were born on the 5th of May 1935. Yes. And um, your mum and dad, what was your dad's name? Cecil Leonard Harvey. My mother was Constant Lucy, both C.L. Harveys. And um, what did he do for a living? Uh, he was a journalist and then he was with the National Party, but he went back to the Sunday Times, a journalist. And what sort of articles did he write? Did he specialise in anything in particular? Um, a lot of sporting, which, you know, and uh, I think he had a little bit to do with the publication of The Mirror, which was a sort of a naughty paper when we were kids, you know. <gasps> the, um, and sort of... That was about it. He didn't specialise in any particular uh, field or articles. Right. Well, we'll talk about his um, uh, career with the um, council a bit later on. Yes. Um, but what about your mum? What was her background? Um, well, uh, she came out from England as a child and her father was a butcher at Albany. Then he had, and the, the boys all went farming at Hyden. And um, mum came to Perth, you know, to work, as lots of young girls did, and met my father in Cottesloe. They were at a boarding house called Sell Them In, and I think that was on the corner of Broom Street and John Street, because they used to always say, oh, that's where we met. And then they were in the tennis club, which was down um, right, almost on the, the shore of, at of, uh, Napier Street, uh, opposite where the big parking area is, that's where the first tennis courts were. And they've, now they've shifted up to the corner of Napier Street and uh, um, Broom Street. Right, and um, did you have any brothers and sisters? One brother. He was four years older than me. And what was his name? He was Richard James Bergdale. Now, why the Bergdale was apparent that it was a, far, a, a family name, but they left it out for me. But he's known as Dale. And um, I should have asked when we talked about your mum, did she have any career before marriage? Um, sort of secretarial work. And, and um, the family were living in Cottesloe when you were born. Yes. Um, do you know why they decided to live in Cottesloe? Well, I think they lived, they'd met in Cottesloe and they both liked to be near the ocean. And uh, like a lot of people, you could, you could do that. There was a lot of land, vacant land at that time. 
And they started off living at number 10 Dean Street. I yes. think they were living at number 10 when you were born. Yeah, that's right. Um, and they moved fairly soon afterwards. But I wondered if you had any memory. Look, I have one memory, and I think I was very young, one or two, of shifting up to 18 Dean Street. And I remember lying on the floor and my father putting his foot on my stomach and tickling me. And it's one memory I've always remembered and I can't know, I don't know why, it's just that. And a doll's pram, which like the old English doll's pram, which was navy blue striped, and which we used to take to the beach to get things. But um, they're, they're the memories. And then of course, living in the house. So do you remember living in the house at number 10? Uh, no, no. No. So your first memories really are at 18. Yes, yes. Um, and so what was the house like? Um, it was a very nice house. It had a lovely view over the ocean, had stained glass, glass windows and a stained glass door and steps going down to Dean Street which had two lions on them. In those days we thought they were about six feet tall but they were only about you know, 18 to 20 inches tall. Um, we had a veranda round. We had a tennis court. The place that's uh, next door to Avonmore, uh, to Pier Street, uh, sorry, to Dean Street, is now units. But that was our tennis court. And every weekend, um, friends used to come to play tennis. My brother and I had to mark the court. We still still got the roller. Roll the court and mark it on Saturday so that when their friends came, they all played tennis. Now, we always had a roast dinner on Sunday, don't know how Mum did it, and then played tennis, people brought afternoon tea, and then after, uh, in the evening, a lot of people, not everyone, stayed. We had cold roast and salad. Then we had a sing-song. My mother played the piano very well, and my father sang very well. We used to sit in the lounge room by the fire and he'd sing and, um, and I was allowed to stay up till half past eight. And we used to always look, you know, look forward to this. And um, that, that was great fun. Um, so how, um, how big was the house? Um, it had one, two, three, it had four bedrooms. Uh, and a big dining room which had obviously been built on. I believe my mother told me the house was a little house that was used by the mail run when they were bringing mail through from Albany and they would stop there and then carry on the next day. Um, you'll see two streets up, the, the very big house there. Uh, I, now I can't think who it belongs to, but it's that's where they they had stables as well, and that's where horses were kept. That was very important, the mail run. Mm. So the mail was dropped off there and then just... Well, carried on right. to wherever they were going. Right. And if you if you went in the front door, take yes. me for a walk through the house. If, as you walked in the front door, what would you see? You'd, you'd see the sun lounge, as we called it, which was glass, beautiful glass windows overlooking the uh, ocean. Then you turned right, and the first room was the lounge room. Quite a big room with a piano and the fire and the radio. You carried on down, there was a bedroom on the left, and there was 
an, a bedroom next to the lounge room, which was mum and dad's room. Then there was a little room at the end, which was my room. And um, then you turned to the left, there was the kitchen. And next to the kitchen, there was like a little hallway, just seemed to be come through. And then the big dining room with my brother's room and the bathroom. Then you went into another little room where the ice box was because that's all we ever had, ice. And the little room on the right was the laundry with the old-fashioned copper. And then you went through the back gate, the door, and there was the big backyard. It was a very, very big backyard um, with lots and lots of grapevines. And then you passed that and next door was the big tennis court and the little block next to the tennis court on the la uh, lane side because there was always the night man so all these houses had lanes because the toilets were on the laneway no that's what they did and we had big fruit trees like you know uh, great um fig trees and great big mulberry tree and during the war between the tennis court in the house next door which was Laurie Gadsden's Gadsden he was mayor before my dad, we had the air raid shelter built. And uh, I mean, it was a lovely house. And we also, because it was on a slope, you, you could go under the house. There was a door where I know my father tried to grow mushrooms and then he tried to, to make beer and it all exploded, you know. And we found lots of old papers under there that obviously people had kept. The house belonged to a Mrs. Midgley, um, and I don't, who went back to England, but we used to call her Auntie Mabs. So and she was a lovely lady, uh, and I think that's, um, well, she was a very close friend of the family's, obviously. What was the house made of? Uh, bricks, it was brick, and it had a tin roof, had a big veranda, that went right across the front where everyone slept in the summer. Um, uh, you know, it was a brick And brick did house. you grow veggies as well as have fruit trees? Yeah, yes, yes. We used to grow, you know, vegetables and what everybody did, you know, lettuces and Cape gooseberries. I remember the Cape gooseberries for some reason. And, um, uh, you know, the carrots and things like that. Yes, no, we did quite quite a lot. Right, so did you make any changes to it? Did your dad make any changes to it in the years that, that you lived in? Not that I recall, no, no, not not really. He he was he he wasn't very handy with his hands. My brother was as he got older. I mean dad was a journalist and that was he did a lot of writing and of course being the Sunday Times he worked Saturday all till about midnight when they got the paper out. And so he worked in Perth? Yes, yes, the Sunday Times in Perth. And how did he used to travel to Perth? By train, mm -hmm. yes. Um, you had to walk to the Mosson Park station. We didn't go to Cottesloe station, but the house I'm living in now, I grew up in this house. 11 Pierce Street? Yes, because that family there in the McCarthy's they had a vineyard up at Armadale, but they had um, one, two, three, four boys and one girl. And the youngest boy 
and we were only six weeks between us, so we had a lot together. And then my the next boy was the same age as my brother, so we had a lot to do with them, and to suddenly end up in the house. So they lived in this. House. This, and that was very big as well because they had a tennis court next to the house here, which is now two houses. So there were a lot of tennis courts around. So a lot of tennis was played. Also, across the road, there was horses. Uh, and there was only two houses from, from Avermore Terrace up to the Broom Street. The, the, the one right at the very top, which is knocked down, and they built a mansion. And then there was two houses, then it was just land. So there was a, a lot of land available. Mm, mm. What, what were your neighbours like? You mentioned the Gadstons. Oh, Gadstons, so lovely that, you know, Auntie Hilda and Uncle Ori, as we called them. No, because we had a lot to do with them. Um, In what way? Did you socialise together? Oh, yes, quite a bit. And Uncle Laurie was a lot to do with um, re re Masonite, I think it was, because all the kids used to collect cuttlefish. Now, for some reason, there used to be lot. You know what the cuttlefish is? It's hard, but it's out the back. And we collect all this cuttlefish, and he would buy it from us for something like a, a penny a dozen or something like that. He used to get, and he used to use that in his work for for um, um, monument work for for polishing headstones and things like that. So he was a monumental mason. Yes, right. yes, and. Um, well, Auntie Hilda, she, she was, she, I don't think she worked, she was home. They had one daughter, June, who, she was five years younger than me, but I, we had a lot to do with each other. We all played tennis together and, well, that they used to be around, we'd be their place, where they'd be at our place. Any other neighbours you had much to do with? Yeah, oh yes, the whole street. My girlfriend lived down at 5 Dean Street. What Which, was her name? She was June Mears, and um, she had her. She, she her mother was divorced, and she had three sisters. Her mother did, and the grandmother lived there. And it was a funny little house with a sort of bits added to it. And we used to spend a lot of time down there because we June and I was went to school together. Then there was Hofmasters, which was the very bottom house on the left, on the on the left-hand side, which was a big guest house, and sort of uh, people used to just just stay there, um, especially in the summer when lots of people came down. Um, and Lily used to go to school with us, and then there was um, the house next door to us, the boys there. Um, they used to go to school with us. Um, what was their name? I'm just trying to... Uh, he, he, he was... What number was it? Uh, there'd be nine. Nine, nine, nine. Nine Dean Street. Neil. Yeah, Mrs Neil, that's right. Um, her brother, I can't remember his name, he was the Minister for Education at the time. Um, and then the, there were the Swifts next door to them. What the, sort of people were they? Oh, they were lovely. They were old. They had three boys who were, there was Gerald, who was delightful. 
they were old because I know when they went away to the war. Gerald used to play with us all. I just remember it, he was he was nice, you know. Um, and then he went away to the war. When he came back, he was different. And I remember thinking, why have you changed, sir? I was about nine. Anyhow, then next to them was the Richardsons. Norma Richardson was older than me. She was Cottesloe School. And she and when she one day she'd go to domestic science and she used to let me ride her bike home. And that was the greatest thing because I'd ride along the highway and go across the road at Salvado Street. But it was such a challenge and it was such a wonderful thing to be able to do. Then on the top one, there was um, a house, now what number would that be? Um, I think it may have had the average, 14 to 12, was, um, it had a house with the families used to be quite a few, um, the Crawfords had the house, they had two daughters, we went to school together, then there was a little unit on the side where a woman called Blondie had that. Was that her nickname? Yes, and she had a, a, a daughter of the same age. But Blondie, when the, during the war, when the place was free, she put a red dressing gown out the window, candlewick dressing gown, and we'd say, oh, Blondies are available, you know, things like that. But um, a very, very nice lady. I mean, we were kids. Then across the other side of the road, there was the Hutchesons. They would have been about, I think they may have been in 10 after us. And there was Junior Hutchison. He was the same age as us. And there was her sister, Pat Hutchinson. There was Gig Bible lived the house that further down. He, he was a dentist, but he didn't speak to us. He was funny. But the... Bottom house, there was always change. We really got didn't get to know people there. They were forever changing. Then coming up the hill, no, that there was the place next to Gadston's, which, believe not, my son has now. Pulled it down, and we ended up buying that later years. And my son pulled it down and built another house, and. Uh, and then further up the hill, there were more people. Uh, they, they, well, across the road, there was a huge house the hills had. They had a tennis court, and they had all these um, uh, terraces of lawn from the big house, which is still there. And every year, there used to be a huge church fete there, and there'd be rows of stalls all along. Everybody came to that, but it was something that happened every, every year. What there, sort of people were they? Oh, they were lovely, lovely people. It was, uh, they had a, a mother and the father died early. I remember wondering why, but he had, did. Then they had two daughters and um, they were a lot older than us. But um, it, it, they were very, and they had a telescope on their veranda and they'd let us come and look at the boats this was really when the the war was on. All the boats would be out there, and you'd look through and you'd see the men doing exercises, and um, 
you know, they were very, very nice people. Always loved the children to come up and, you know, she always had lollies and things like that. Then there were the Mayhews next to them and uh, didn't know much about the other side of the road, but really it was where there were children. And we used to make hill trolleys and we'd come flying down the street, you know. Dad would have a fit because we'd go straight across the road and, uh, but, you know. You did mention on the telephone the Dean Street Beach. Yes, well, the, the bottom of the uh, Dean Street was the beach. Now, this was quite a big beach. It had a change rooms, it had shelters, it had a toilet, and it had a big, long beach. So a lot of sand. It was known as the Dean Street yes. Beach, was it? And, oh, sorry. Oh, yes, yes. Um, well, it was a very safe beach to swim in because there was sort of rows of rocks. Sort of very much like the basin at Rodnest. So you had this lovely beach, which was pretty safe. We used to, the kids, you know, all the kids used to go to the beach every day. And... You know these abalone that everybody goes mad about? We didn't know them as abalone. We used to call them mutton fish and they, and in, in ear shells. And they, they'd be, you know, the tide was out, which was out a lot. They'd be just there on the rocks. So we used to pick them up and throw them in the water. We had no idea that they were such beautiful things. Nobody did. Um, we did, there weren't some surfers. So we'd walk all along the beach up to where they surf now, the mud rock rocks, I think it's called. And we'd, we'd collect things. We'd collect seaweed, we'd take the doll's pram, and we'd put the dog in the, we'd pull the dogs, uh, pull the pram along. We always had dogs. And uh, I mean, during the war, we'd find things like whole packets of pencils and light globes. And the most incredible things they'd be thrown off the boats that were out there. And, well, well that was what... And we had a big mulberry tree. And we used to all climb up that and cover ourselves with mulberry, you know, go down the street all red. But it was very nice. But when, you know, the storms came and washed everything away. In fact, I can remember one year when, during the winter, when the waves were breaking over Marine Parade. They had, um, the, you know, we'd lost so much of the land. So That's, how, how did Dean Street Beach change then? Well, it got washed away. It, uh, you know, we lost the um, change rooms and everything, and now it's only sort of a short beach. Um, it just went. I, I don't re recall them pulling it down. It just seemed to disappear. And what about the rocks? Did they disappear too? Well, they they started bringing down rocks and dumping them there to to keep the the road because it was just disappearing. So that's why there's lots of this is out, but they still got the um, reef. The reef's still there, and you know you see lots of fish and lots and lots of shells. There used to be huge piles of tiny little shells. And this is when, at Cottesloe, they still had the jetty. The, they had this big jetty that went out with a bandstand in the middle of it. And sometimes, you, you know, Sunday, the band would be playing. But then, before they had the, the groin, 
there used to be just huge piles of shelves. So it used to come in and um, we used to spend hours down there collecting shelves and, you know, our lives were spent at the beach when we were at school. And was your mum happy for you to go and play there without supervision? Nobody had supervision because we used to all go together. I mean, we were warned. I can remember once we thought a man was chasing us with a piece of rope. There was about six of us and we just ran. But it didn't stop us from going down. And could you all swim? Oh, yes, yes. And where did you learn to swim? At, uh, down at Mosman's Bay. The school used to take us down to Mosman's Bay every week for swimming lessons. We used to jump off the little jetty there amongst the jellyfish. But we all, all got our juniors, and um, which was, you know, you, you could swim so far with your overarm and your breaststroke and duck diving and diving. And, um, and then, you know, th that's when they used to have skis, big, some of the boys would have big heavy skis and with paddles and they'd be just out. Now, if anyone got into trouble, they used to, you know, big brothers used to look after us and, but we were never worried. Just thinking back to Dean Street, when you were a child, just looking down the street, mm. what would you see? If you were standing at the top of Dean Street, looking down the street, what would you see? Well, you would see the ocean at the base, you'd see all the houses, and they're all nice houses. Not many cars. A lot of people didn't have cars. Um, and. That there was electric light wires. Trees? No, no. I don't recall trees. There were just a few little um, pine trees. They were very young. Like, you know, they'd just sort of... They'd be about four, I suppose. Four or five. Um, people had lawns. All had Everybody had front lawns. And... Kids kicked footballs and made cubbies, and there was next to Jew Mears a place. There was an empty paddock, which every year, with all the kids, we made this huge bonfire for a bonfire, and and of course that was a big thing. We'd go around with a little trailer saying, you know, penny for the guides, and and we'd, we'd buy crackers, and we'd have a lovely night. Everybody in the street came. That was a big thing. Um, did the kids play in the street much? Oh yes, played all the time. What sort of games did you play in the street? Football, ball games, gangs, you know, and um, that sort of thing. Not many had bikes. And then when we went to school, like we'd all call at each other's houses on the way to school, we'd all go together. And we'd run, run up the, this lane here called Fig Lane there at the top because there's this magnificent big fig tree at the top. Straight down Pier Street. Now the bridge only went over the railway line. It didn't go over Stirling Highway or Court Curtin Avenue. And so we'd go over the bridge, that's how we got, and then we'd have to wait. There used to be a crosswalk at, into the school. Now the foot, the playing fields were across this side of the railway the football on the left-hand side for the boys 
and softball on the right-hand side for the girls. And at the school, we had one tennis court, which was gravel, and, um, uh, and when I started school, which they had that, because I was born in May, I couldn't start till after the May holidays. And I had to go to the little school, which is now the hearing school. So it had bubs, or first year, or bubs in grade one was at that little school. Miss Horton was the headmistress. And then second year through to six or seven, I was trying to think of that this morning, until you were 12 at Cottesloe School. Um, now, and there used to be a street between the two schools where people lived. That's gone completely and it's all grassed up now. It's now the Oval. Um, Do any of the teachers stand out in your mind? Oh, yes, yes. Miss um, Parker, who ended up mayor of Subiaco, she taught grade three and she was lovely because she used to read us every afternoon a chapter of, you know, the famous five or one of those. And we liked her. She took us for sewing too. That was good. We liked that. And then Miss Jamison, who had grade five, she was a bit grumpy, but she wasn't too bad. Then Mr. Love, who was delightful, he had grade six. And Mr. Charles, Mr. Charlton was a headmaster and he used to come in drunk and if he'd had a hard night out and he'd come in and he'd have some puzzle he'd worked out and he'd give it to us all and we had to go out there with our books to show him. He had his cane in his hand and if you're wrong, he'd knock the book out of your hand and if you bend over to pick your book, you've got it across the back side. But we never complain. We just know, oh no, Charlie's been on it again, you know. Um, but Mr. Love, who did become here, head, head master, but he was delightful. Then in grade six, we used to go to Claremont Prep School for cooking once a week. Now, we had big pine tables that had to be scrubbed and then cleaned so the teacher could rub a hand on. And we cook echo cakes and we'd cook little things like that. Then we'd have uh, ironing and there were flat irons on the stove which we had to learn to use and then we had to learn washing with the blue, records blue. I used to enjoy that, it was quite fun. Um, and another thing, we used to, if you want to buy a lunch, we could go, we'd walk down to Napier's, to Napoleon Street, and get, for thruppence, get fish and chips. Now this was great. You know, this is once a week we were allowed to, Mum would let us go and buy our lunch. But you get a nice piece of fish and chips for thruppence. Then they had the picture theatre where the Grovers now was the Cottesloe Picture Theatre, which they had the matinee every Saturday afternoon. It was Eightpence to go upstairs and sixpence to go downstairs. And this was when, <coughs> it was during the war when you couldn't buy lollies or anything like that. But they used to always get a box of New World chocolate bars and that would come at interval 
when you got the episode of the serial that was on, you'd all run up the top of the stairs and you wait and then you run like mad down to get a chocolate bar <laughs> because they only had one. But it, it was great fun. And then afterwards we'd walk home, we'd come up Jared Street across the oval and come home and I'd hop into bed and Mum would give me tea and, tea and bed because I'd be asleep in no time. <laughs> but it was great fun. Mm. So you were at Cottesloe Primary School in the early 40s, weren't yes, you? Yes, yes. Um, just, just tell me what an ordinary day would have been like when you got to school. What would happen when you got to school? Well, before the war or after the war or during the war? So it changed? Yes. Um, during the war, I was still in bubs, in, in uh, grade one, uh, the Americans used to take over the school at midday. We used to have to start school at eight o'clock in the morning and only go till 12. Then the Americans used the school till, you know, for the rest of the day. What did they use it for? Well, uh, officers and things, I think, well, I don't know exactly what, but we'd have to leave and, and the, I know the Americans used to come in. Then, all the way up Pier Street, they'd have these big tent trenches, this is during the war, and we all had to wear a piece of string, we had a piece of string around our neck, with a piece of hose pipe, about six inches long, mm -hmm. which we had to keep there, and we had a, a chaff bag that was open down the front, so it was like an L shape, which, when the, and they'd be there, uh, the aero siren would go. And you had to run, go over the... Now, there were two, I think, two at school, two trenches. So that only took sort of what, two classes. Run over the bridge, jump into these trenches, pull this over there and put that in your mouth in case there was bombs. And So, I mean, you, you just got used to all that. That was just part How of it. How often would you have a, a, a warning? You, you know? never know. It would just suddenly the siren would go. And what would your teacher do then? Would she say... Get you out and you do it all, just grab your bags, grab your things and, you know, single file up over the bridge or wherever you were to go. It was just a matter of this is what we had to do. So did, were you ever um, frightened, Fleur, by the thought of um, an invasion or when you no, were No, no, I don't think we really understood. Even though we were evacuated because of, see, there was Leighton Battery, which is Leighton, which was the big headquarters for the Americans, and the guns at um, Monson Park, they were the only things for the whole of this, this coast, only protection, and, you know, boats would come coming in all the time and, and going out, you know, bigger up, you would go down and see the soldiers off or things like that, you know, and... Um, I don't know, we just accepted that was part of life. Um, it really didn't until after the war when they started coming home did we realise how the men had changed and it was just, you know, why wasn't Gerald playing with us? And my uncle, who, who was the same age, he, you know, why had he changed? And, um, so you can't remember it having any effect on the family during the war? Well, yes, Mum used to get cross because 
dad was an air raid warden and you know in the night the, the alarm would go we'd be picked up and raced down to our little air raid shelter mum would be there with us and I remember her saying your father's up there entertaining all those wardens all those female wardens and I'm down here with you children and you know it went oh well uh, it, it, and did you have blacked out windows yes all the windows we had to have strips of paper across them and the car the car we had to have a gas producer on it with a little car in that garage what's got up there and uh, and we had to have papers across all the windows except the the front window and it was a little Austin Austin 7 I think we had tiny little car and um, we used to go down to Cottesloe Beach. It was a big outing of an evening sometimes. At Cottesloe Beach, um, the surf club was up like at the base of Napier Street. That's where the surf club was. And between the surf club and the pylon, there always, there's always been a pylon there, there used to be slides and uh, scooter boats and dodging cars um, and then there, across the road was a sh little shop called the Tupney Hapney Stamp Man we used to call him that's we could have an ice cream and this was a, a big outing you know uh, we'd go with mum and dad and you know have a ride on the scooter boats and things like that and in the wartime, did your dad still um, work as a journalist? Yes. Uh, well, no, he was mainly at the National Party. He was Secretary of the National Party for a while. But we had the little coupons, you know, the cards. Now, where our shopping was, across the other side of the golf course at John Street, you had the butcher, the grocer, uh, the newsagent, and that's where Mum used to walk. We'd walk across there. She used to take the doll's pram, not the baby's pram, because to put her shopping in. But every day across there to do the shopping, because that's where you went with the cards. And as for the clothing, you, the same thing, you had to be very careful. And I can remember Mum saying to me, she got me a frock and she said, you're very lucky, Fleur, to have a new frock for the show because you know the Queen's got to use curtains to make her two daughters frocks. <laughs> Little things like that, you know. I used to think, gosh, must be hard for them. And then my uncles used to farm at, at Hyden and they would send up on the train a half a sheep, all done up in a bag with flour. and this was really great and then they'd send mushrooms up and um, you know this, this is the way you and then we didn't have refrigerators we had get, uh, ice, ice boxes and every week uh, Skipper Leach used to come the ice man used to come and we'd be kids you got any chips Skipper have you got any chips of ice but we used to have that then we used to have a great big Chinese man came along with a big horse and cart every week and he sold all your vegetables and fruit which was great and then the milkman used to come every day and the baker used to come every day and um, 
this was just this was did, just. Did life. your mum mum need to go to the shops at all? Oh yes, yes. She used to go for meat and and well, you know, other things. There wasn't. See, at the Grove there was theatre, and there was a couple of shops. There were shops around which aren't there now, and then at Cottesloe next to. Um, that that's the it's now a restaurant at the corner of, of, of Forest Street. There there was the a nightclub there, and the next to that was the Lido Picture Theatre, which was only open in the sun summer, and that was great fun to go and sit in deck, deck chairs and and then the Hostel Manly was all where people my, John's. My, my husband's family used to go down there and stay. They had a big veranda, and every night you see crawl people standing out there because they could look down on the film. You see, no, we we loved that. That was pictures. That was good. Mm. Well, thinking back to wartime, did you mm. have anything to do with the Americans? Did you meet many? Oh Americans? yes, yes, because my friend June, her mother and her two sisters. They used to entertain a lot of them. In fact, my mother used to say, do you really want to go and play at June's? You can have June up here to play with you. And I'd say, oh no, because there'd be Bill who used to have salted peanuts and chewing gum. And the girls used to have nylon stockings. You know, we never questioned it. We never questioned anything, you know, June's Grandmother would say, "Now shush, you girls. Mum's asleep." Oh, okay. And we we were just sort of happy in our own life, and we accepted, you know, whatever was. How do you think the general population and people like your mum felt about the Americans? Well, um, well, she, she never had a lot to do with them. Because, you know, they used to go to see Blondie and they'd get the wrong house. There'd be a knock on the door and open it. Where's Blondie? Oh, she's over there. You know. But um, but she was concerned about you going to play where... Where, where yeah, she, she just... She never told me why. And I'd say, but June's my friend. And, you know, and I mean, Grandma looked... I mean, whether Grandma, her, her grandmother, Grandpa, approved of it, they looked after us, and they, you this know. This is June's grandma. Yes, we yeah. we we were fine. We were never never you know had any problems with the Americans. In fact, they used to always be very nice. They'd be there for meals, and they used to be very nice, and never never had any trouble whatsoever. I mean, he used to. If you go, because I used to go, we used to go, I used to, I didn't have a dog, and I used to, I passionately loved dogs, and I had a lot of stuffed dogs all tied together, and I'd take, pull them for walks along the golf course, and you quite often see an American asleep in one of the bunkers, but that was okay, oh, this, this is American asleep. It never worried us, and then we had things like the apple cart, the oval, that a big truck had come up from somewhere, full of apples, and you'd go over there and you'd stand in the golf course, they'd back the truck up, and they had this shut, and they'd just hold your bag and you'd get full of apples for about 
two pounds or something like that. And but but we loved the apple cart because then we always had plenty of apples. And then we had a potato. Play, they used to do potato. I mean, there was Cottesloe. We sort of we were fine. So that's what happened at school. The Americans came and took yes. over the school. At uh, lunchtime. And I think you told me um, when we were talking on the phone that the school was evacuated up to Gooseberry Hill. No, we were. You were. Yeah, my dad decided that we were too close to all everything that was happening. Right. And we were evacuated up to Gooseberry Hill. Just your family. Uh, yes, just mum and the kids. And dad used to come at weekends. And we stayed on a farm called the. the it was they grew oranges and they grew uh, corn and. And, and uh, we we went we went to school at Kalamunda. We were, and, but that was too full. You had nowhere to, to they couldn't ha keep us. So then, just across the hill from where we were living was Mary's Mount, the boys' college. So we went there, but we might be in the uh, outside shed for that lesson. We might be in the, somewhere else. There was it was just crowded with people and it was an eye-opener. In, in what way, Fleur? Well, I just remember we were so scared of the nuns and when somebody would be in trouble and you'd see, we'd be in the shed and we'd see a nun run like mad out to the wood heap and come, come back with a stick. Then we all had to go into the chapel and the boy that was in trouble had to kneel down and get belted. And this scared us. And uh, So nothing like this had ever happened in Cottesloe? Oh, no, no. No, well, only, only the, the mad headmaster. But um, it was funny because one boy he hated, and he ended up married, married his mother. <laughs> We used to laugh at that, Jack, Jack, he's your stepfather. <laughs> no, 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 Cottesloe School was pretty good. Um, they, you know, we, well, we were happy there. My brother, because his birthday was in February, he was allowed to start school at the beginning of that year, so that when it came to being 12, he was at the right age to sit for scholarships. I wasn't because I had to repeat a year because it's six months and you, you, you know, it's very hard. So you had to repeat because of going up to Kalamunda? No, you? no, the, uh, yes, yes, because I missed, virtually missed 12 months. Yes, how long were you up in Kalamunda? Uh, probably two years. And it was great fun up there, you know. And McCarty's Lookout and the zigzag you get on the train that used to go down backwards and forwards down to Perth and back again through Kalamunda. Um, we had dogs, we had cats, we, we had neighbours. What, what did you miss about um, from Cottesloe though? Did you miss anything? Well, no, not really, not... I said, well, yes, we did, when it came to the summer, in fact, we used to come down here for summer. We still had, Dad lived in the house there. Um, but, you know, that was, it was just sort of 
you know, I was always glad to get back to Cottesloe and get back to Cottesloe School. Now you've mentioned some of the friends you had, but I, I believe you were friendly with Ariane Fay. Yes, when I went to... Who was the granddaughter of Claude de Bernardes. Yes. Tell when me I about went, her. Well, she was a tall, very pretty girl, and I used to go over and... We were at school together at PLC, and I used to go over and play there, and we'd play in the garden and... At Overton Lodge. Overton Lodge, yeah. yes. And, um, um, well, I, 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 you know, I, I would just play, you know, like you'd go over, I'd be going over, I'd say, Mum, I'm going over to Ariane's, and that would be it. Or she'd come over, and we'd just two girls. And what was Overton Lodge like in those days? Oh, it was very nice. Beautiful roses and things like that. Um, it, you know, it, it, well, there was tours we felt like there was the big house, and then there was the little house, which was the stables, which was, which ended up turning out as the little hall, and that was the big hall. Um, Where did Ariane live in the big house? In, oh yes, yes, with her mother and father, and then she left. They went back to England. So, um, but she was great. Then, you know that. Debenali decided to sell the house and um, my father was instrumental in getting that place. £45,000. Mm. Well, we'll talk about that yes. when we talk about your mm. dad, but what sort of games did you play with Ariane? Oh, Heidi and... I don't know, just girls' games and just just enjoyed each other's company and you'd, you'd talk about what sort of man you might marry and, uh, uh, you know, just little little things like that. What was the inside of the house like in those days? Very nice. A lot, lot of panels, lots of panels. Um, just, just very nice. It was just a very nice house. And were you conscious that it was a, quite a special...? Well, I just knew it was... Debon, uh, it was Ariane's home, you know, we, we, there was no, it was just a, a normal, that's where she lived. We all, we just, we didn't sort of judge houses, we just like, they're our friends and it was just nice to have friends and to do things together. Did they have staff looking after yes, them? Yes, yes, yes they did. Did you meet some of those? Well, you saw them, you know. Mm. Yes, they were just sort of, you know... Just there. Just there, you know, sort of... We didn't have any, but it was very nice, you know, yes. little things. It was just fun. Did you yeah. ever go back there afterwards to functions and things? Oh, you? yes, yes. Um, I was... I got tired of, of mum's tennis, so... I, you know, they're all oldies, so I joined the Cottesloe Tennis Club, and I was about 10 or 11, and... It was absolutely wonderful. The club was all different to what it is now. Um, we used to have a junior section and we played tennis. And after afternoon tea, the best of the juniors was invited to play with the seniors. Now, Mary Edwards and Joyce Mackey at that stage were the state double champions. And Mary Edwards asked me to play in the in the match with her. I was just so excited and so thrilled to play in the handicap match with her. Um, I, I loved the tennis club. I spent a lot of time there. 
um, they had a Miss uh, Cottesloe competition and I was the tennis club's selection. Uh, I, I came second, the golf club raised the most money. Um, and uh, and then I, I, I stayed with the tennis club, then I joined East Fremantle as well and used to ride my bike down there, simply because my group of friends, a lot, a lot of my friends were down there and I used to play at Cottesloe and at East Fremantle, then go to Leighton dancing on a, Friday, a Saturday night. Do you know we used to walk from Leighton along the beach <laughs> home? No one feared anything. Okay, we were a group. Very few cars, most of the boys, well, if somebody had a ute, they borrowed a ute. We used to all pile in the back of that. And we did a lot of dancing, a lot of parties. We all had parties where we'd dance the night out and Dad had come home, oh, my father, he'd come in. My mother used to always say, I'll stay and get supper. And, you know, the reason was, I'll keep an eye on you. And it, it, when they were a bit older, the boys would bring a bottle of beer. And we even had a smell. Oh, and, but Mum would have a glass of beer with them. So she could see what we, we had. And then Dad would come home and he'd go and sit in the lounge room, get in the corner with his pipe, and just glare at everybody till they just left. And they had one court that was gravel, and then when I went back, the club rooms had been built round there and there were all new courts. And now they've got 20, two, three, four, about 26 grass courts. So from when, when you joined, um, when you were 10? Yes. Um, it was very basic. And oh, and it was small. lovely. Yeah. But they had very good players mm. and played every weekend, all weekend. Um, very social club. I had a lot of barbecues there, a lot of, of fun. Um, so in that in that twenty five years or so that you had that gap, yes. Um, what was your impression of it when you came back? Oh, it was completely new. It was like something completely new. The clubhouse wasn't where it was. The courts had all changed. They'd even. Yeah, no, there were a lot more courts. More people? More people, oh yes, yes. Um, and then when I got involved, I was on the committee for years, I got involved with the juniors. I loved the juniors. I ran all the, the pennants. Uh, I, I was very, very active for 10 years I was there. Um, I was still involved, I've now got all my grandchildren playing there, <laughs> and that it's great fun. I um, saw lots of coaches, about four different coaches, which I had a lot to do with. Uh, but and I used to say to people, of you know, a couple of or one fellow friend of ours came down. He, oh, he was living with his father, and I said, you need to go to this tennis club. You'll meet people there. Sure, he was a lovely young bachelor, and all the young girls wanted him as partners, and he met his wife there. And um, it was just, a, it's a very social club. Do any of the personalities stand out in your mind? Oh, yes, yes. There was 
that there was a Pat, Ma Pat and, um, oh, what's his sister's name? Um, they just lived up the point. They were there. I can remember when I joined, they liked this fellow that was there. He always knew that. Then there was um, Mary Edwards and her husband. Now, he he used to, um, to do a lot of rowing and he coached the um, head of the river, one of the big uh, races they have. Um, Mary's brother, and, uh, who was uh, the, gra the gamekeeper, uh, the grass keeper, the keeper there, and he played a lot of tennis. Um, you know, uh, Joyce Mackey and, and Mary, who were, t were champions, um, there was just sort of, Lots of, you know, even some of them that are there now, they were little kids when I was, you know, older. I see them there and, uh, you know, it's still... So there's some people that are members that were members when you first joined yes, when you were 10? Yes, very few. Yeah, very, very few, but there is some. Mm. Yeah, they're, they're sort of... I, I would be about the oldest now, getting on that way, but um, it's still a very active club and they have... You know, midweek on Tuesdays with a lot of, of them. Well, there's Jimmy, Jimmy Black, who's in his 80s, is still playing. He, he, he's cha world champion through uh, those over 75 or something like that. But it's great to see them all there. And so was, was a lot of your social life centred around the tennis Oh, yes, too? yes, a lot, yes. What sort of social things did they have as well? Oh, lots of barbecues. Uh, and I used to have things there for, you know, quiz nights and different things when we're getting money for the, the Mrs. Cottesloe thing. Um, well, just now they sit and drink afterwards. Pat Adamson used to, she died, what, 12 months ago. She used to, she was a laugh member, she used to bring down a plate of all these savouries every Sunday and we'd sit and till six or seven o'clock at night. Sometimes some of us would say, well, let's go down and have dinner down, we'll go and get a meal down at the, the OBH used to have lovely, you know, cheap meals. You could go in there in your tennis gear. And um, and then another big thing with the Cottesloe was the jetty was still there and the open air dance floor. Now, they had, uh, uh, it's where the, um, the Indiana is now, they have this open dance floor. I wasn't supposed to go there because my father, after the council meetings, all the, you know, all the members come down to watch and they'd say, look, Sid, the lace call Sid, look at your daughter, look at your daughter. So I wasn't allowed to, but I used to. And I'd say, we've got a dance in the middle where they can't see us. But the floor was like that because it was open. Very wavy. Oh, look, but it was fun. So yeah. what, what, uh, were you a teenager when you used to go there? Yes, yes, yeah. And quite often we, you know, we'd, we'd grab some tea at home and bring it down there and have a picnic with, with the boys and go swimming, di diving off the jetty and, you know, there were lights on the beach till about nine o'clock at night. And, um, so with the dances, um, Was that rain? Oh, yes. how wonderful. Mm. So how often would you go to the dances down there? Well, whenever I could. <laughs> well, only when the others would go and would say, oh, let, let's go to 
what do we call it? The, the, the Palais, Palais de Dance. Let's go to the Palais de Dance. So you go as a group? Yeah, oh yes, always. Always go with a group. And what's, what would you wear? Oh, well, my, my girlfriend and I used to start Saturday morning and make a frock, you know, a little, little frock. So we'd just gathered skirts and, you know, just little tops and off we go dancing. Nobody, well, only if you went to a ball. There were lots of balls. And you, you wore, you know, lovely frocks. But the others were nice, you know, just little little cotton frocks and... Um, Oh, we just, just... What sort of dances did you do? Oh, jiving. We did a lot of jiving. And then, uh, oh, all, all of the quick steps and the modern waltz and all those dances. But we didn't have any of the ones they do now. But, um, but it used to be fun. And the bands, what were they like? Oh, they were good. They were great. The um, nut cook. He was the drummer, and he was with Ron Jenkins, and Ron Jenkins used to have the nightclub, the Lido nightclub, and he used to live on top of that. There's all houses on top of it. The Gilbros have got it now. The Gilbros had the little shop up here. And uh, he used to play. I always loved going to get there. And we'd go to the Capitol Theatre where they'd have a band at each end. The Capitol Theatre isn't there anymore. I think it's West Farmers who got that. We used to go there Friday nights, and then another night we used to go up to over the, over Merrick Street. Oh, what was it called? Something Court. And we used to dance there. Um, lead. We'd go to South Fremantle. There was a dance there, and we'd go to the. But Saturday night was mainly the leader, the uh, Leighton dance. That. Well, you'd sort of follow Nutter Cook around. He was a drummer, you know. He was the man. Yeah, yeah. And then how would you travel to all these places? That's a good problem. Well, we used to, if there was a bus, we'd take the bus. I know to Lakin, you could take the bus and stop on the highway, and then you had to walk across. You couldn't get to the beach. You there wasn't the road right along the beach then. It was just late and used to walk there, or else if you had a boyfriend that had a car, you'd pick up everybody, if, yes, or you'd. But um, uh, my father was a shopping driver. He was terrible. <laughs> you know. Yes, we had this little Austin. Oh dear. He, he would go up the wrong way on a long way street. Go, Whoa! You know, oh no, Dad, don't. We've done tennis and dancing and that sort of thing. Did you learn to anything else? Yes, oh yes. We were the first to ever have a basketball team in our, at the Coventry Civic Centre. That was our home ground. We only had that for about two seasons. Um, we used to play not squash, um, badminton. Oh, I did. With my girlfriends, you know, we started and we had that. And how old were you when you started that? Oh, we were in our teens, yes. How did you do that? Well, well, Dad was mayor and we needed a base. 
So we asked the council, and they said, yes, we can have a space. And they put up the rings, you know, and we, and, uh, we were sort of had a little association. A Phoenix came and played with us, against us. Um, I used to have a lot to do with the Civic Centre. Uh, my, my son was, had his Christmas party there, and it was the first one to ever have a Christmas party there. Once a year, the council used to let every association in Cottesloe have the use of the Civic, Civic Centre for four or five pounds of the night. That was, you know, before we had dollar and cents. So every organisation had a ball. And, um, and then I was, I was one of the first debutantes because my father said, we've got to be a debutante at the Civic Centre. And how old were you when you were debutante? Oh, it was about 18, I suppose. And what was involved with that? Practicing a white frock and a um, partner, and we got the soldiers from the uh, nationals had become partners, and we had a very nice night. And we were presented to my mother because <laughs> she was the mayoress. <laughs> and then they used to every year have the children's. Fancy dress ball there. And did you go to that? Oh yes, uh, uh, now that was after I was married and <coughs> I had my son, he was about five or six and he went and mum was one of the judges and she said I was just scared he was going to say, hello grandma, but he didn't. But that was, you know, everybody went, the kids all went there. There used to be lots and lots of things at the civic centre. Um, just thinking back at the, the organisations you were involved with when you were younger, mm. was there anything else apart from the basketball? Um, I had a go at brownies. Um, I joined the surf club. I joined, actually, I had, we had shifted over to Federal Street, so I was, I used to follow Cottesloe Surf Club a lot, but I joined Swanbourne and used to go on patrol and you know do all these things did that for a few years. Were girls welcome in those days? Oh yes yes we, uh, we were up there you know go up there on patrol and watch this thing and um, I know and then we all through you know Don Morrison who was the Australian. Well let's get back to um, your uh, uh, life in Cottesloe. Right. You, you talked about um, going down to the beach and, and the sea, but did you mm. ever go over to the river? Oh yes, yes. We used to go over the river. Um, Dad used to take us hire a boat and we'd go out rowing for an hour or so. That was a treat. Mm. Um, and then, you know, sometimes we'd go for picnics over there. Um, Nothing regular except with school, with the swimming. But apart from that, I'd rather, I don't like really swimming in the river, I like the ocean. Um, so why don't you like the river? Well, it's full of jellyfish and uh, I like the waves, there's not enough movement, you know. Uh, I mean, I like living near, with the, you know, looking at the ocean because I love the ocean, you know. It's, it's different. Where the river, you, I think you get the same view. <laughs> mm. But um, 
you know, I know you can grow better gardens over near the river without the, the salt, but I don't know, there's something about the ocean. I love it. I love walking on the beach after a storm. You know, it's just lovely. And, um, yes, my girlfriend and I, which I had to get back to, every morning, six o'clock, we'd go down to the beach with the dogs and we'd walk from the South Point to late in the back. And it was just so crowded with people. Is there that now? Them. Is that these days? Yes, well? yes. And you, you get to know people and uh, uh, everybody speaks to everybody and there's always surf boats out there, you know, skis or people surf. It, it, this part of Kosovo, it, it doesn't matter what the weather's like. They can go windsurfing or ordinary surfing or diving. It is so crowded and then they have a lovely children's playground at the bottom of Pierce uh, Beach Street, which is very popular. In fact, you've got to get up early to even get a parking spot. And where else in the whole darn world can you park virtually on the beach anywhere along here? So how does that compare when you were younger living here? Oh, just took it for granted. It was lovely. Loved it because we're at the beach. Mm. But what was it like if you went down for a walk early in those days? How would it be different? Oh, there'd be less people, wouldn't there? Oh, yes, but I feel... Now I, f I feel more security because there's always surfies out there. I uh, really do. You know, you had to always be careful. As you got older, realise, you know, and, and, and life changed. You know, they used to, you hear about people getting mugged and attacked and watch you on the beach. But it doesn't, it don't now. At one time, I would never have walked along there with the road right up there, and we're right down on the beach. Never. Even but, when you were younger, playing playing down there. Well, playing down there, we were in a group. We never worried about that. In fact, it had a, a brick wall right along, about that high, a brick wall right along, and the whole marine parade after wind it used to be thick sand, all the white sand. And, must have been terrible driving. They had the dirt. They had a dog cart too. Cottesloe. We used to hide because they come around the beach and grab the dogs. We used to hide when they were down. We'd run and open the door and run like mad and let all the dogs out. And we we hated them. So when you were a child, the council had a dog cart that yes. used to go around picking the dogs up. Yes. Dogs weren't allowed on the beach then. No, they weren't allowed out. The dogs weren't allowed out unless they were on the lead. Uh, and what was the dog cart like? What did it look like? Well, it was a big van, you know, like a police van. We were talking about the dog Yes, dog yeah. Um, it, it was like, you know, like the vans with a door at the back. And that, that's what it used to be like. And they'd just drive down the beach and pick all the dogs? Yes, they'd run along Marine Parade and go down and have a look to see if there's any dogs on the beach. And if they weren't with the homes, they'd grab them and put them in there. We used to hide and open and run and put all the dogs out. So dogs were allowed down there with owners, but it was dogs that were yeah, down I there. Yeah, I think they were. My father was always against the dog cart. I mean, he loves dogs, but, you know, he I think he was helped with stopping it. I mean, you, I, mean I read in the paper today where there's... You know, the horse was attacked by... It's such a sad thing. 
You know, the council are very good. We've got the oval up there to walk the dogs. The golf course, it's an A-class reserve. So, you know, you've got to be nice. You don't go and stand in front of golfers and say, you know, we've got as much right. You, you know, for you. And they've got a notice up, you know, and bags to pick up their doings. And we used to, we haven't had it for a few years, but there used to be about 30 dogs up there for the evening, you know. And uh, Caroline, uh, one of the women, had a little dog. And she said, well, let's have a Christmas party. So for about three years, we had a Father Christmas. And, uh, and she would get a box of, of beef strips. And people would come along and say, OK, bring some food for yourselves. And we'd have a little party. And all the dogs would have to go up and see Father Christmas and tell him what he wanted for <laughs> Christmas. It was on the front page of one of the posts. They had a photo of this dog and Father Christmas and give them a biggest beef strip. It was just such fun. When, when, about what years were you doing that? Oh, gosh, this would be about four or five years ago we did it. For about three or four years. About 2005, six, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. People would say, oh, can, can we come and bring our dogs? You know, and it was just such fun. And we don't see so many of people now. And I just love to walk my dogs around the golf course, but you know, you you you've got to give way to the golfers, and we get told, "What are you doing on there?" Blah 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 blah. And it's nice because you don't have to have your dogs on the lead. You've got to control your dogs, but um, and you don't. I don't take my dog up when they're practicing football because the little one has a habit of taking the football. So, um, getting back to your life when mm -hmm. you were. Um, child and a teenager. Did your parents go to church at all? Yes, yes, they did. Which church did we, they go we to? We went to St Luke's mm -hmm. down here, Cottesloe. And did you used to go to? Yes, I used to be go to Sunday school and then I was um, uh, confirmed down there. Um, then uh, mum used to go to, when we shifted over to North Cottesloe, she used to go to St Philip's. Um, Dad wasn't a great goer, no, neither was my brother, who lives in Melbourne. But, um, you know, we used to go along. Any personalities from St Luke's stand out in your mind? Um, yeah, I can't remember the name. There was a very, very nice... Um, uh, Rector there, and I, I can't think of his name. They had a tennis court there. We used to sometimes have a hit of tennis there. Um, well, they used to hire it out. Well, I don't remember hiring. We could just go and have a game or something, I think. I don't remember hiring, but I was more inclined to be at Cottesloe Tennis Club. Um, Did you go to church every Sunday? No, no, because... Um, uh, of the junior penance. But I always said to the club, you've made an allowance for people that go to church. So if you've, you've got them down to play a tournament, you have to, not during their church time, please. You know, you've got to respect everything. And that they were pretty good with that. And when you were younger, what sort of things did you do at Sunday school? Oh, well, you'd, you'd do some 
colouring in things like that. Then you'd read the story, and then you you had stayed for a little service, the ten o'clock service, I think was. Who used to take you for Sunday school? Oh, I can't remember. To tell you the truth, there'd be usually girls like though they'd probably been in the early days like 18, 19 year olds. Yes, just just sort of teachers, you know, religious stories we'd hear and it was just we used to get stamps on the card. Yeah, that's right. I suddenly can't remember much about that. But I think when you went you've got a, a stamp and you put them on a card, I think. But they used to have fates which we used to go to. Everybody went to the church fate and at the school fate and you made things to sell, you know, cakes and toffee apples and these sort of things. Now we've dealt with your primary schooling but we haven't actually um, dealt with high school very much. Yes, um, I went to PLC. Yeah, at what age would you have gone there? Uh, 13, 12, 13, yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, left it after year 10. What was it like when you first went there? Well. It was hard because my father, my great godfather, was putting me through and he died. And my parents couldn't really afford it, but I didn't know that, and they kept me there. And I just remembered that some of the girls were real little horrors. I just remember one thing, and I won't name the girl because I, d I think she died, but she had a beautiful, it was a dance, and my mother had made a little blouse, you know, this bit less elastic around here, elastic around there. And, it, and of course I wore it because Mum had made that for me. And it was very nice. And I remember this girl coming up and she had a big tulle frock on. Went, homemade! And things like that. So know. she went up to you and... Yeah. Oh, homemade! Which was very hurtful. But you get over these things. Um, we had a lot to do, is to do dancing classes with Scotch and with other, mainly Scotch. And uh, used to go to dances, school dances. In fact, Jenny's husband, I knew him in Scotch because he always wore a pink spotted bow tie. He was with this little group, I was friendly with the boys, you know. I used to like boys better than girls because I grew up with the boys here in this house so I liked playing cricket and football I liked being with the boys in fact that's it and this what things with this family were, were wonderful the family that lived in the, this this, this house. Yes, yes with the with Patrick the young one what was their surname again McCarthy right but Patrick and I were very close from well, from Tiny, because I think the first thing we did, which Father used to tell, was Michael, that's his, what her old brother, his elder brother, used to catch the train to CBC down Fremantle. And Pat and I decided one morning, we'd go and meet Michael at the train station. We knew how to get the station, we got there, and we sat down, and trains came, and trains came, and trains came, and no Michael. So 
We got bored of that, so we went over the bridge to Stirling Highway, and we were playing Tiggy across the highway till somebody picked us up and put us to the police station. And my father says, oh, I must tell you about the time Fleur was in jail, Patrick and Fleur were in jail. But Pat and I, if we had an argument, he said, well, I won't marry you. And his brother and my brother used to buy these little rings. Patrick, here, give Fleur a ring and now you're engaged. I said, I'm throwing you know, all these lovely little things. And then he had a, he had a little doll called Littleham. It was just a little sailor doll. And Littleham was a champion runner. And Littleham used to win Dolly's tablecloths for my Dolly's house, which were the doilies of his sister's dressing table. And so he thought, here, Littleham's one of this for you. So I put it in my Dolly's house. Mum would take it out, give it back to Mrs McCarthy, and it would go around. We never realised that. But we had a wonderful life together, Pat and I. Um, he, I was looked down on him till he went to, uh, to uh, Aquinas as a boarder, I don't know why. When he came home, it was like this. It was true. That was 14, you know, with his about So were, were the family's friends? Were your mum and dad friends yes, with his mum and dad? Yes, uh, the, uh, Mr McCarthy had a vineyard called Rishon, and this is house is called Rishon, and Mrs McCarthy lived here. She was a very sickly person, and she had a sister, Aunt Eileen, who used to come down every week and polish all the floors with beeswax. And they didn't have many carpets. And every Saturday, her big Oldsmobile car came out of the garage, which is gone, bring it round here, and we all had to wash and clean it so it could go to church on Sunday morning. They were very good Catholics. And, um, but Aunt Arvin used to do these floors and when we ended up with this house and I put carpets in, could not understand them. I had to clean, they dry out all this dark as if you'd throw in cups of tea. And it was all this beeswax coming through. And it still does it. But anyhow, Pat and I used to have a cubby and I don't know, we just... And Junior, that another boy, I just grew up with them. So it was good to be the backstop. They used to make me backstop at the cricket. So I could hit the ball and go home crying. But I used to put on one of my brother's shirts, a pith helmet that my father owned, and a pair of half glasses. And I'd go and be backstop because I felt I was dressed as a boy. <laughs> so you were quite a tomboy. I was, but it was it was it was lovely, you know. Mm. Do any um, teachers stand out in your mind at, at, from Presbyterian Ladies College? Um, not really, no. And, and with the lessons, um, you talked about doing um, lessons at primary school with cooking and sewing. Yes, yes. What sort of lessons did you have at, at Ladies' College? It was, it was nothing like we didn't have any cooking. My, my granddaughter's just finished there and she went through the six years and I just don't believe the thing. We weren't allowed to be seen out without our hat and gloves. And we weren't, and if we were seen talking to a boy, we were in trouble. Didn't matter if it was your brother or what, which used to be very hard, because when you left school, 
and you went to dances, you, you know, you, you were mixing with the boys, but at school it was very close like that. Um, I wouldn't say they were really happy years. You played tennis, you played sports, you... I, I really never enjoyed it as much as, as primary school. And because none of my friends went there, although Judy Beecher that lived up the street, she, she went, but Margaret Robinson, which I, Robbo, I still see, she lives in Cottesloe. I still, we're, we're very friendly with her again. And, and I've always had Jenny. And you were a day girl there? I was a day girl, yeah. yeah. How did you get to, get to the school every day? Oh, I'd go a long way to catch the bus. The bus that went round to all the boys' school and picked them up. You know, I could have... Oh, sometimes I rode my bike, but, you know, I could virtually see school from the house, but it was better to run across the oval, get that bus, and where they went to Scotch and St. Louis and all the way around. And, um, oh no, you were that, that age where you, you wanted to meet the boys. <laughs> and, um, what did you do when you left school, Fleur? Me, I did commercial work, and then uh, I... I Worked for a few years. I worked over an engineering firm, and then I went to I was with the RAC for a number of years. In then town, I, were they? Yes, yes, in Adelaide Terrace. How did you travel in there? Uh, by bus, yes. It um, the when I first started, and then I know I worked for um, it's now Bird Cameron. Um, I worked for them for a while, um, and then I went to the RAC. I like the RSC very much. Um, what made you do secretarial work then? What, what prompted you I, to do I that? think because Mum had done it, you know. Um, I, I really, I wanted to get away from school. I wasn't happy at PLC. And yet, I'm sorry about that, you know. Um, but I used to see a lot of Jenny, because Jenny, she went to, uh, down to Fremantle. So, St. Bridget's was it? Down there? And but we used to see a lot of each other weekends. We spent the weekends with each other. Um, so did you um which commercial college did you go to? One City Commercial College. In, in Perth. Perth, yes. It's um, not there now. I was, mm. don't think so. And it was all secretarial jobs? Yes, yes. Uh, a lot of PR work which I liked. And, I, and then the ROC it was uh, not so much that it was more PR work and with claims and things like that. I really enjoyed de dealing with the public. Would you spend your weekends in Cottesloe? Oh yes, yes, oh yes. Yes, the tennis and dancing and Jenny and, you know, and, and we had a group of, of, of young fellows, that, you know, there's a group of us and we all sort of went round together and had parties together and went to everybody else, uh, each other's houses and and just had a good time, you know, it's a, I mean, we didn't worry about drinking, I mean, if you smell like a bottle of sherry, you mean, oh, but we, we didn't, and as I say, mum used to make suppers, you know, it's just what we all like, after we jived around the lounge room for hours and a few hours, a couple of hours, and uh, but it was just sort of a free and easy, and, we, and Saturday was sport, you know. And, um, 
I didn't play golf till I went to the country, but in the country you play tennis in the summer and you play golf in the, you know, the winter. And the kids swim in the swimming pool and that's it. I wished, uh, I mean, I liked doing uh, the years I did life saving, that was fun. So but did you keep that up after you started work? Yeah, I did for a few years and then, I don't know, you, your life changes, you sort of, I guess you've got boyfriends and I didn't want to get married in a hurry or anything like that. It was just sort of, you just enjoyed yourself and I don't know. Then I went, you know, I had a racing car drive, a friend, boyfriend, and used to go to all the, you know, Cavisham and down south and, you know, to the, and then that finished and that interest finished. With working in Perth, how did you get to Perth every day? Oh, by bus. The long marine parade, they had the parlour car. And you used to come from just at the start of marine parade. And it only held about 12 people. And the time it got to the bottom of Dean Street, it was usually full. But then at North Cottesloe, they had another bus service that its, its main depot was next to the Lido. It was just there in Forestry, and that was, I can't think of the name of it, it was a red bus, red and white bus, and sometimes when you couldn't fit in the parlour car, you'd have to run like mad up to North Coastal to get a bus to get to work on time. And then they got bigger buses, but you always knew at every stop, oh, where's so -and hang on, so-and-so's not here, I think they might be running down the road, everybody you know, you, you got to know, and everybody talked to everybody, and um, um, we used to just catch the bus. Sounds fun. Mm. Didn't catch the train very often because I was working at the RAC, which was in uh, Adelaide Terrace, and uh, you know, the train was a long way from there. But um, so then you meet, you know, other girls there, and. I worked, when I worked in James Street, I used to take the train, that's right, because I had a, a job in James Street at an engineering firm. But, and uh, when you came home at night, did you, ever, so, did you ever have much of a social life during the week when you were working? Yes. What, yeah. what sort of things did you well, do? Well, there'd be, you know, sometimes it would be playing, um, uh, no, no, not squash, um, Oh, what's the other one? Table tennis? No, oh, oh, but we played table tennis at home. But, um, oh, badminton? Badminton. Yes, I played badminton Tuesday nights. I remember Tuesday nights you'd be badminton night. Um, didn't really like sitting at home with the family. Oh, excuse me. This is the second interview session with Fleur Arrow, held at her home on the 26th of October 2010. Now, Flo, you just told me um, before I turned the recorder on about a plane landing in yes. Avermore Terrace. Tell me, well, tell me about that. The plane landed and, I, and it went up, and it stopped. Look up. Um, but how, did you, how did you first notice it? Wasn't it through? Well, because I was looking out the windows, to washing a dish or something, and I saw June Mears, Mrs. Mears, that lived down in Jones's with Jones's, running, and I looked, and there's a plane coming along behind her. A little tiger moth, and um, I remember saying, "Mum, mum, there's a plane in Avonmore Terrace." And yeah, we ran out, and the plane went up, 
And then after school, we, the plane was still there, and we all helped, all the kids, because I told all the kids, and we took the plane down onto the golf course, and this fairway here, which is fairly clear. Now, at this stage, we had electric wires on all the streets, and we took the plane right up to, which was then Jared Street that went through the middle of the golf course, and he got in it, and he came flying down, and how he got between those wires, I'll never know. But he said he was out, about a mile out in the ocean. He was running out of fuel, so he had to stop. And this, that was the nearest spot we all laughed because his girlfriend lived there. Oh, she happened to live in Avonmore Terrace. Oh, she, yes, yeah, a Bridge, Bridge Street, which is, runs off Avonmore Terrace, about three streets up. It was just something fun that happened. And so that was when you were at primary school? Yes, yes. Yes, I mean, it's just something that's actually nothing to do with, you know, Dean Street, but it's just one of the things that happened. Did it hit, get the paper, into the papers or anything? Well, I suppose it did. I don't remember. I just remember how excited we all were, uh, you know. It was another great thing that happened. Um, and it must have been during the war. Um, it must have been because... Of the of my age, when I was at primary school, see, I was at primary school most of the war, or all the war. Mm. Um, now we've got um, up to really your marriage. Yes. Um, tell me about your husband. What's his name? It's John. John Arrow. Um, and funny enough, I didn't know him, but there was a group that. The, the Jenny and I, and this is when in our teenage years, we used to go around with. And one boy was George Ayres, who lived in Dean Street one time, they were rented a place. And then his family, they were farmers up, were John Farms at Corder, and it was, they were farmers at Mollerin, which is like another town, not far from there. And uh, George used to come down, you know, on holidays or come down, go back. And I used to write to him, care of a John Arrow. He was working for John and I didn't know. And, and um, anyhow, um, Jenny met this fellow which, who lived in, who was farming up in Corda. And it happened to be John's best friend because during the war his mother had shifted down to Mount Lawley and so had Roy's parents. And, um, when, it, and when Jenny and Roy were getting married, I still hadn't, you know, had, I'd heard about this John Arrow, but I hadn't really met him. And Jenny, and Jenny I was her bridesmaid, and John was to be the best man. And Jenny's mother was a real you know, matchmaker, and she'd sort of said, oh, we'll have to get you and John together, Fleur, and I used to think, oh, it was great. Well, we met, and I, I um, thought he was quite nice, and he, uh, that was, uh, they got married in the June, and I was going to England in the September. Anyhow, he'd asked me out, and we went to a midnight party, uh, uh, um, uh, it was, um, a jazz concert at the capital. So starting at midnight, you know, it was a number of hours before we got home, and we're sitting in the car talking, and he'd come down from the country and staying with his auntie, 
in Netherlands, and she'd woken up and he wasn't in. So at three o'clock in the morning, he rang my father and said, where is my nephew, my country boy, your daughter's taken him out and he's not home. You can imagine my father coming flying down the, you know, bristles. But anyhow, we got through and um, I, uh, I, I think I went out with him a couple of times and I went off to England and I'm sitting with my girlfriend in this little bed sitter in London. We're trying to work out the cheapest way to go on the continent. I get a letter from this John Arrow who's decided to come to England. He's getting a car to go on the continent. Did I know of anybody who wanted to go? He wanted three people. <gasps> wow! So that's how I really got to know him. And of course, uh, he, he was there for six months and he came back and I, I stayed on. I was working for Australia House in London. And then I came back and uh, carried on the friendship and decided, well, to start again, we got engaged, that's right, and start again and sort of get a job and set myself up and one thing was very hard after being away for so long to come and live in the family situation. See how we got married and I think it was 59 and um, and I went up the country. <laughs> so did you get married in Cottesloe, in one of the Cottesloe churches? Yeah, at, at, no, at Swanbourne, St... St um, Oh, what's it? The one that burnt down just there. Because we shifted to North Cottesloe, we used to be in St Luke's, and I don't know why we didn't go to St Philip's. I think St Oswald's mum had, had started going there, and mm -hmm. I think, and then we decided, you know, for mum's sake, so we got married there. No, we didn't. Sorry. No. We got married at Claremont, Claremont Christchurch. That was the fashion then. You know the one uh, at Queensley Drive? Yes. Uh, and the reception was at the Civic Centre in Cottesloe. Right. Uh, Dad was mayor and then my my son, who was the first born, he, he was, that's right, he was christened at St Oswald's because the minister there had actually uh, interned John's father when he was killed at the war. And we had the reception for the, for the christening at the Civic Centre. Um, Tell me about the wedding reception at the Civic Centre. Well, it, it, was, it was very lovely. We had the less hall, because the big hall was too big. And uh, who did the catering? They didn't have a caterer then. I think we'd mum organised that, but it was very lovely, and um, um, you know, all my friends and. Um, How was it set up? Was it a sit-down meal? Oh yes, yes, it was a sit-down meal. You know, the big table at the front with the bridal party and everybody around it. In those days, that's what it was. You know, it sort of and. Um, dancing and um, a good venue for that sort of thing it was lovely yes you know when when the council first got the civic center they gave every organization one night in the main ballroom or the the small one the lesser hall which was just as lovely it, it didn't have as much panel wood for five five pounds 
a knife for the whole thing, which was wonderful. So you found that the RSL, the tennis club, the golf club, everybody had a ball. That's when balls were in and, and um, the Civic Centre had lots of things too. They had, as I said, I think I told you before, a very big children's fancy dress every year, mm. which was very, very popular. Uh, and I think they had part of the library there. If I, I, th I just think something about the library being shifted down to where it is in Leak Street, which combines Peckman Grove and most part of the lot. Um, and uh, I mean, as we say, I had a lot to do with with going to the. Um, mm. uh, up to the civic centre. Well, getting back to your reception, was was it a usual place to have reception, or did you have the reception yes. there because your dad was the mayor? Um, was that the place to go? To I, well, reception? I think it's where the, they mum and dad wanted. I mean, dad nef definitely wanted us to go to the civic centre. Uh, uh, one thing I was thinking about when I'm talking about the civic centre, I can remember the Queen and the Duke came out here. And I don't remember the Queen being there, but the, there was this reception and Dad was there in all his robes and the Duke was waiting for the, waiting for the Duke to come, you see, and the ladies were coming past. He was, he was in the mayoral chambers, which was just off the main hall, and the <laughs> girls were coming past with plates of food and he took one of the little piles up, they put it in his mouth as the Duke arrived. And, he, and the Duke said to him, just having a little bite on the side, eh? <laughs> and I remember Dad said, oh, I didn't know what to do. I popped it in my mouth. And, um, uh, I mean, my father loved getting, you know, the grand man for his things. And, um, I mean, it was used a lot, the Civic Centre. It was, it was a lovely place. It was a nice place to have weddings. Mm -hmm. Used to see. Do you have, what, have the actual wedding there as opposed to? Well, just no. I think I think people were more though all going into churches. Mm -hmm. It seemed to be that that era mm -hmm. where you got married in a church, and then uh, and I think if you lived in Cottesloe, you probably got mm -hmm. uh, cheaply. And you mentioned that your son was um, the Christian. Yes, he was christened there. Tell me about that. Well. <laughs> You know, Dad, I remember Dad said, we must have a christening party at the Civic Centre. And it was a daytime thing. And they'd organised, Mum, Dad organised caterers. And um, it was just there, uh, you know, we'd got him christened, then everybody came and had food. And it was, it was just, it was lovely, you know. It was sort of, I mean, we used to go up, Dad would have us up to afternoon tea a lot up there different people as he called it the three percents you know for the for the local people which <laughs> you know um no that they were no they were you know the councillors were great and, and and what sort of form did the crispin party take um well I think he was asleep most of the time, <laughs> but everybody just, you know, were having a drink and there was a cake and, you know, toast, toast and I think Dad probably spoke. I think John might have too. But it wasn't a sit-down meal? 
No, no, it was afternoon tea, you know, it was, a, um, no, it was just sort of yeah. things and I, I sort of lived in um, Corder and we'd come down and I know John would only, only stay a couple of days and that was because he didn't feel comfortable. So we bought 5 Dean Street, mm. which, because that's where, you know, yeah. well, it was great and then sort of, you know, different places after that. Before we get on to Dean Street, um, just tell me about your son. What's his name? Uh, Stephen, Stephen John. And when was he born? He was born in 1960. Yes, um, and he was so fond of fishing and and die you know the ocean and he and mr comley was also uh, he was I, I don't know what he was but he opened what they call the, the oceanarium down there um at the between north uh, napier street and uh and and um the obh and he had this great big oceanarium and Stephen used to go out with him in the boat and they'd go diving uh, and getting coral and different specimens and um, they had a shark in there, they had, you know, it was very good, it was a wonderful thing and uh, I know he, they got this, he got this, Steve, and Stephen would quite often go down the beach himself and collect things when the tide was out. It was amazing what would be in the rocks down here. And he'd, you know, take a bucket and he'd take it up to Mr. Connolly and he took this octopus up and they had it in a separate container and it laid eggs. And that was the first time they'd experienced publicly eggs and they were waiting for them to hatch and some stupid people put some coins in and they killed them. It was, but, um, he did a lot of that and getting different coral that they found out here and I think that was the start because he went pearling. He, he finished, he was at Hale School because John went to Hale School and when he finished that he did a seamanship course down at Fremantle and we had this house then uh, we, and we'd had people in the house for a number of years, you know, renting it. In fact, Ian Cairns came over, Ken's family came over from Sydney and had the house for several years and Ian, this is where he learnt surfing and he became number one in the world with his surfing and I remember Mary Kane saying, I've got 40 or 50 surfboards in my backyard, all the boys leave the boards here and when we shift I've just left a notice, I'll give you this date or else I'll go to the rubbish tip. So it sounds like even though you were based in Cordy, you spent a lot of time up in Cottesloe. Yes, it did. Once we had separate, it was nice, but you know, it was very hard. Mum would say, you know, Mum was marvellous. Oh, she was a marvellous babysitter and marvellous with the kids when they were here at boarding school. She was marvellous. And, you know, she'd say, oh, will you be in for dinner? Will you be in for lunch? And you didn't know what you were going to do when you were down and you're catching up with people. and. So it was far better for me to be down in uh, Dean Street and Mum and Dad come over or I'd go over there and... Um, uh, well, how often would you come up to Cottesloe? Well, I used to come up for the holidays. In fact, that was something Jenny told me to tell you. Stephen was six months old and I'd come up and he was only sitting up in the 
we had a, a, a cane cradle that you pulled out. And it was a hot day and I went down to the beach with him sitting up in his thing and mum came. We were sitting on the lawn at Cottesloe and suddenly the, the whole of the um, jetty blew up. It's when they blew the jetty, they had to get rid of the jetty, it was dangerous. And it was just that time, we're sitting there, bang, and the jetty just went up. And that was, what, 50 years ago? Did you know it was going to happen that day? No, I didn't know. It could have been the papers, because I'd come down from the farm and we didn't get papers every day. So it just so happened. And there wasn't a crowd of people there, but it was... Oh God, the jetty's gone. And how did you feel about that? Was it a bit Very sad, yeah. because I suddenly thought, oh, we can't jump off it anymore. Oh, we can't hear music anymore. We can't walk out on it. And then, you know, Dad assured me that they'd be doing something. They, you know, they knew the idea to have these groins, because we were losing the beach every sun, every uh, winter. And so with the groins, when the wind came, it brought the sand in. And that's kept the beaches, and that's why they had to put another one at South Cottesloe, at Beach Street, because, you know, we were losing all the beach. Because the, the beach used to be beautiful. There used to be mounds of shells and, and everything. Anyhow, the old jetty went, and, um, uh, you know, it was very sad, because that was all part of the original shark-proof net they put in. That's what the pylon was. There was the pylon, and there were two more poles coming in, and they put a fish. They put a shark-proof net round there, round to the to the jetty, and that was to keep sharks out. But it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so did you ever see sharks down there? Um, oh, yeah. Well, I used to see them down here, little wobbegons. And if you saw a shark, if you saw a fin, you'd just say, out of the water, shark, shark, shark. Um, mostly the sharks they got here were, were the, blue, the nurse sharks, which are not people eaters, but you don't know this. But my son used to get the little Port Jackson and catch them and show you and say, look. So was it um, because of the amount of time you came up to Cottesloe and spent time by the sea that... that and made him interested in the sea? Well, Mum said that there was a relation who was a captain going back years and years. Um, I, I don't know, he just loved the ocean. And that's what he's always done. Because mm. he went pearling and his pearler in Broome. Now, um, you bought number five Dean Street to yes. start off with. Yes. Now, why was that? Well, because we wanted somewhere to, to you know, uh, well, was, there was a, a, a house in England became, that they sold, became empty and they sold it and it was the first thing I could say, you know, let's get somewhere else. So that was available and uh, it, it was a, a great house because it, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm only laughing because I knew the house so well and it's a house where the front veranda on the side had been made into a little unit. It had, you know, a kitchen and everything. And, and I know why, because there was, there was Mr. and Mrs. Jones, there was June 
June's mum and, and her two sisters. And uh, um, I think when they first came, June, June's father was there, but he, after June was born, he disappeared. So that my grandma sort of was there to look after everybody. Um, and I know we bought this little house because it suited us and we had people living there and we just kept the house part. They, they were, no, no, they had the house too. We, we all fitted in. Mm. So you'd just stay there when you came up? Yes, yes. We had a room and we'd just share the, you know, the kitchen. It, it all worked out very well. It must have felt, felt odd. So moving in and owning a house that you'd known so well before. Yeah, I did for a while. It was fascinating because the walls were tin and there were layers and layers of wallpaper being put on. I mean, one night, you know, you'd a little bit, and kids would pull it and you'd find two or three different colours. And it was the, the strangest house, but a very happy house. How we all lived together, I, I just can't because there was Colin, Colin and, and, and his wife and their two kids, but Colin was in the Navy, he was a merchant Navy, so Jenny was there with the two kids a lot. And we all just sort of became good friends and we just sort of all had our own private side. And it just worked out so well. Who did you buy it from? Um, I, I, I don't know. I know John bought it. It was, well, it would be the, I suppose it, the, the, the local real estate man. I can't think who that was. It wasn't the Joneses that still owned it at the time? No, no, not, I don't think so. And yet a lot of the, it just had all furniture in it. Thinking back, probably Mr. the Joneses had died and the girls had gone because this was what in 50, this was in 60, 1960, you know, which I'd been up, I'd been in England for a couple of years and I'd been, you know, married and up in the country. So it must have been about 60, 61. Um, when we bought the house, um, and it was probably that they they had decided to sell it because Joan June's mother had remarried and she was living down south and and uh, I'd lost contact with June. Did you ever consider any other suburb to, as a city base apart from never, Cottesloe? Never, never. Why was no. that? Oh, because I loved Cottesloe, and John did too because. John's, before his father went to war, they used to come to the Hostel Manly at Cottesloe for holidays. You know, come down to the, and it was Cottesloe they loved, they loved too. So we both had this love of Cottesloe. I never thought of, of going anywhere else, never. And then you bought another house? Yes, then, you know, some more money came and John bought uh, seven and nine. They were sort of two houses, but they were sort of like semi-detached. Um, and that was, I forget now, who was it? Was it, was it who, who lived at, at um, seven? 
that's not Mrs. Dolan. Mrs. Dolan and then Mrs. What's name at nine? They had the two boys that went to school with Neil, Mrs. Neil. And um, Swifts was still there. Richards had gone. They'd gone up to Broome Street. Um, they'd gone to Broome Street because their son had been killed in the war. Crawfords were there. It, it sort of, you know. So there were still people you were familiar with. Oh yes, there there were. You know, it was. And did you buy those as an investment? Y yes, yes. And then we bought Gadsden. Well, we were here. We'd we'd shifted. See, we'd rented out this house. We used to use Five Dean Street because this place was rented out. So this is at, at Pierce Street. At what stage did you buy Pierce? This place, Eleven Pierce Street. Was it before you bought the house at... Um... No, we had 5 Dean Street. We were there when this came on sale. McCarthy's, because I'd grown up next door. I, I actually knew this house mm. better than I knew any of the houses, except next door, because the four, four family here, boys and, the, and Pam, and Pat and I were six weeks between us. So we just lived in each other's house, and we grew up together, and, when, you know, we, that was... It was very, very. That was. Yes, you mentioned that what a close relationship you had yes, with him last yes. time. So you bought um, Five Dean Street, then you bought Eleven Pierce Street. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. And then and this came up, Yes. Yes. It, it, it's just that I I was kept on John off farm things rather than money disappearing in the farm and then you it's just yes, lost. Yes. So you used Five Dean Street as a base to when you came up to Perth. Yes, yes. And you had the other, you had the Eleven Pierce Street and Seven Se and Nine Dean Street rented out. Yes. Mm. Right. And tell me about um, Seven and Nine Dean Street. What sort of houses were there? Well, they're a little semi-detached, and a lot of the houses had uh, verandas um, with the, um, what's it with, you know, the sort of covered in, but they were, oh, what was one I trying to think sleep outs? Hmm? Sort of sleep outs? Yeah, they were sleep outs, really. And um, they, they, they were small inside. They were just long and small. No, exactly the same, the two. Um, little what front of? A brick, brick, yes. Tin roof? Um, yeah, I think they were. Mm. I think they were. And I should have asked you, what was Five Dean Street made of? Uh, well, that was brick, but it had tin walls inside, very ornate tin window and um, ceilings. Um, and that had long and narrow, and the block next door was empty at that stage. And then the kitchen was out on the back veranda which was completely enclosed and sort of the door at the end which was a bedroom and then there was the long the veranda which was once again a kitchen and enclosed and um, there wasn't a they used to, everyone had to go into the lounge room that's right there was only the one lounge room in the main house in the evening, people would come in there. Piano was then there. 
because June, when June was living there, June and I learned music from from Francie Taggart that lived in just a, around the corner in Avermore Terrace. And June was very clever where she could just hear something and sit down and play, which I hated because I had <laughs> But um, no, they were just sort of little houses. Um, not houses I would like to live in, but Pierce, I mean, 5 Dean Street was great because we could bring pet lambs down and the cats down. We'd come down here with a car full of pets and kids because we don't have lambs there. In fact, the milkman used to come around and leave the milk. And every Thursday, he used to, they used to, you leave your money out and they collect it when they came around. Anyhow, this Thursday, I had a pet lamb that had a broken leg, which we'd had set, and it was on the front lawn and the bedroom window faced the lawn and the middle of the night we heard the lamb bowing and so we oh, yelled out church next day we were the only house that had their money stolen <laughs> so we said oh you better get a, a watch lamb <laughs> but um um no you mentioned bringing kids up to to town for how many kids oh well i had Two, and then there was a break of ten years to two more. Right, so Stephen was the first. Stephen, yes. Then? And then Judy. And then I had nine whisper carriages because lack of hormones, you know. So, And then I had Kim, I got another girl, and two, two years after that, Penny, another girl. Um, so, a marvellous mother. My mother would babysit at any time, and and even when Stephen was at boarding school, and he he got the stage right, he used to come out at weekends, you know, and I used to say, look, if you don't, well, you know, he got the stage where he had to board, and he did a lot of swimming. He was a very good swimmer. And I used to come down with the kids to watch these car little carnivals they had, and. And then he used to want to come out, and I arranged with the school. Mum used to walk over with a hot meal every Sunday, give him a hot roasted dinner. Then she would get him back to school, and she didn't drive, and she didn't have a car, by six o'clock for chapel. And she was just so wonderful with the kids, and they loved her dearly, you know. And um, So did any of your children settle in, in Cottesloe, in adulthood? Um, yes, now Stephen has, he was in Broome for a number of years and we were living in this house and uh, Gadsden's house, which is the one where he is now, the, the, straight across is the tennis court and then uh, Gadsden's lives next door and that came up for sale and jo at the auction and John went along. And he said, you're going to come? And I said, no, no, I really, I just don't want to see it go. You know, too many memories there. Anyhow, he came back and I said, well, did it sell? And he said, no, but I put an offer in. Ah, oh, okay. Anyhow, the agent, agent rang up and said, oh, I was cross about this, said, oh, Fleur, you, you, you knew the Gadstons very well? I said, yes. Oh, you knew June because they had one daughter? Yes. 
well, wouldn't you like to get the house? And I said, what are you getting at? Well, look, just 10,000 more and you can have it. And I said, I haven't got that. Oh, God, on, you could get it from John. He needn't know about it. And I said, I don't do that sort of thing. No, 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 no. Anyhow, they rang up and offered and accepted. No, he said, look, I'm only leaving that exception for three days or a period. And they rang up and said, no, you can have that. So he bought the house. But at that stage, my brother-in-law, this was in 82, 82, he died. There was the two boys had the farm. They were brothers. And he had muscular dystrophy. Anyhow, he died. And he also had land in England. And anyhow, that we got this offer, and... Pen, and John, the, his, uh, Jim's estate was to come through and they rang me and said, no, it's been held up. So we, John said, oh, well, I'll have to get bridging finance, which you did, but they had to have my signature as well. Anyhow, so we got the house and as John had bought it from the farm, and by this time, oh, oh I'm sorry, this sounds a, a muddle, John's farm mother had gone away, and while she was away, a lot of things happened in the country. People that didn't go to war, they pinched doors and windows and things off people's houses. And, and he, she had had somebody on the farm to look after it. And this old fellow called Wally, who had met John's father at the war, <coughs> and John's father had said this old Wally, that, look, if anything happens to me, would you see that my wife and, and two boys are all right? He had John's father was killed, and Wally came back, found John's mother, and went up the farm, and there wasn't a thing on the farm. All the fern, all the machinery, and it was, the house was empty. And he found out that the fellow was doing it, had bought a farm over at the next town. So he said, it's, well, he said, now I went over there. I had no idea what was on the farm. And I demanded every piece of machinery I saw brought back, which happened. And so because he'd saved the farm, Marion, John's mother, gave him a farm, bought him a little farm next door. So Wally lived there and farmed it. When he died, he left the farm to the children of... John and Jim. Well, Jim didn't have any children. John had two. And then when Jim died, he left half the farm to John and Jim's, John's children. So the farm became John and the four children. So that bought the house. So <coughs> they, the, far, the kids owned part of that house. And so, this is Ganston's old house. Yes. yes. So I had, an, I had my, my youngest daughter had gone away. She'd gone over to England. And I'd, I had very nice people uh, use, uh, renting the house. Didn't put, charge a lot, which was good, because he cut the lawns and he fixed things that broke and uh, made it so much easier to, you know. Um, anyhow, Penny came and said, well, I've got to find somewhere to live and I can't find it hard to live at home. I want to live in the house. So how could I say when she's part owner? 
So we got rid of that, and she moved in there. Stephen said, with a girlfriend, and she said, he said, oh, well, when I come from Broome, I need somewhere, so I'll pay a third of the rent, because I told them they'd have to rent it off the farm. So he was there. And then, you know, as time goes by, they leave and what have you. And then Stephen decides that he, he wants to, wants a block of land. He wants to build a house. And he, and as, a, as a pearler, he had a few dollars. Actually, he and John were in pearling together. So he bought the house. Then he decided he'd pull it down. Well, it, it, it was a lovely house, but it was all windows. And, you know, it was a bit, you know, here and there. Here and there. So he, I saw a house up in Broome Street. And I said to Stephen, because he was going to get it all the slabs of, you know, it's concrete. And I said, go and have a look at that house because I think it's very nice and would suit the block. He saw it and thought it was great. So he had that built, which is using a lot of pearl and he put a swimming pool. And, you know, he's got... So, so uh, Flo, you actually had associations with 579 yes. and number 14, 14, which is Gadsden Street. Yeah, and they were living in 18. Yes. yes. So what, what was it about Dean Street that... that well, you see, I loved it so much. I had this wonderful childhood. Even though the war was on, we were always had companions and... I just love Cottesloe. We had the beach and then the river was over there. But what was it about Dean Street to have so many houses in the family in Dean Street? What was it about uh, Dean Street? I don't know. I just, it was like a magnet. And I didn't even want a house near Mum and Dad's. It was Dean Street. I think when we had to leave, I think that was, you know, from 18 over to Federal Street. I, I think that was just... Mm. We just loved the house. I mean, it was an old house. It had grapevines. It had a tennis court. It had a big yard with fig trees, mulberry trees. And, and, and it had an underneath. It had a door where you went under the, underneath the house. And Dad tried beer and it exploded. And he tried mushrooms and the, the mice ate it. But it was the whole thing, it, it had just been everything. Why did your parents then move to Federal Street? Well, because they were renting that house mm. and I, they just wanted something. So they bought in Federal Street? Yeah, they bought a block of land yes. and built a house. And how old were you when they moved there? I was 17. Right. So I'd been here for 17 years and it was just, you know, it was just a... It's such a beautiful place, Cottesloe. It was, it was just, even the war was going on. I guess we, we didn't, we just accepted what we had to do. And, and you know, it must admit, the war didn't really touch us, even though we were sort of Americans here and having air raid sirens and air raid shelters. We're very, you know, we were lucky. But I could see my parents, because of all the boating, that they felt that Fremantle and Cottesloe were sort of danger areas and we were you know, evacuated. Yes, we talked about that last time. Mm. What number Federal Street did they go to? Uh, three, five. Yeah, three Federal Street, yes. And what was that house like? Oh, it was a nice little house, like three-bedroomed, 
little house. It was just, just, just a normal. You see, it was very hard to get stuff straight after the war. Get building equipment, and Mr. Weaver that lived next door, the other side of the tennis court. He was by that time the uh, the um, Miss Atwells had had the house. They'd gone, and Mr. Weaver. The builder was there and he built a lot of houses and uh, he built our house. So it was a new home? Yes, yes. Yes, I mean, it was very nice. It didn't have a huge garden like this one had, big garden. And yet, you know, with the tennis court and the lawns and vegetables and... How did you feel about moving to Federal Street from Dean Street? I didn't like it didn't like it at all. But But it was still Cottesloe, wasn't it? Yes, but it wasn't Dean Street. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I just this see across the road was there was nothing. There were horses there. And I, I don't know, it was it was just so lovely. With the houses that you had in Dean Street, did you ever make any alterations or changes to them over the years? No. You no. left them as they were and just yes. rented them out. Yes, because I used to say to John, because we had the house in Corder, the house in Dean Street, this house, you know, and I said to John, this is ridiculous, you know. And that's, that's when we'd shifted here. We still had Dean Street, and then he sold some of them because it was just too ridiculous. Why, why did you buy 11 Pierce Street, this house? John liked it, and he just went along to the auction and bought it. I didn't have the same... Th I mean, I, I, okay, I grew up here, but I didn't have the same feeling as I had for Dean Street. And he, I know he and, and McCarthy, they were bidding against each other. I think John McCarthy was just getting the price up. But so was it with a view to living here eventually? Well, at that stage, no, we hadn't put any thought of it because I was still living in the country. And then when Stephen went to boarding school, at that stage we'd got rid of the houses, except we didn't have Gadsden's, the others we'd sold. And we used this wish to come down here. And then... So did, was this house empty and you just used it when you came down? Yes, it did for a few years till Stephen finished school and then he, he was at, um, he, he did this um, seamanship course, so he was living here and then he had a couple of friends who were living with them. So about what year would you have bought it, Just approximately. Yeah, I'm just trying to work it out. Um, Stephen wasn't at school, so it must be 40, 40, 40, about 40 odd years, approximately 40 years. Yes, and we had, as I say, Kansas came over from Sydney. He was an engineer and um, he had work over here, so they, they were here for a number of years. That, that was the people who rented it to? Yes, yes. Do you know why it's called Richon? 
Yes, Rishon was McCarthy's and they had this house. They had a, a vineyard up and out of Armadale called Rishon. And Mr. McCarthy used to come down and uh, Mrs. McCarthy lived here with the, with the family, the boys, they're all at school and what have you. And, um, uh, and they, he just called it Rishon. So you don't know why, where the name Rishon came from? It came from, from uh, John, John was talking about the other day, it, it was, there is a Rishon up where his <laughs> farm was, that area out, just out of Albany, out, out of Armadale on the way to, to, what's the next place? Anyhow, he, there was this Rishon, and he called his wine that too. I think it was just known that area that it was. And what was the house like when you first bought it, 11 Pier Street? 11 Pier Street. And what was it like? Well, it's quite funny. This wasn't here. This is the, this is the back kitchen. No, this wasn't. It wasn't the kitchen. The kitchen is in was in where John's bathroom is now. This was just a little back veranda. Originally, the veranda had gone from that from here round. That was a little room there. That was Pam's room. Then it went out, and the veranda went around to right round to the next one there wasn't a veranda on that side the toilet was over in that corner there so that was over on the corner um on the street um just here just yes, that's, well, that's, to begin that's, with the toilets were out the back there on the south side uh, um, on yeah they were against that laneway so it was outside toilet against the back no place. they were in yeah outside toilets our house at, at, at 18 dean street that was the two toilets were back to back with the laneway because the night man used to come down yes um so if you walked in the front door the front door was the same yes. you walked in that room uh, the lounge room was the same now the bathroom. It was the lounge room to the to, to, to the, the left, left as you walk in the front door. No, no, that was well. Sometimes that was Mrs. McCarthy's bedroom. Then it was a lounge room, and then it was a dining room. This is when I used to visit them. She seemed to be a very sick lady. So, but most of the time I think it was her bedroom, and then the the far bedroom at the back, and then next to it was a little room. And this is where it was strange. There's the bathroom there. And the kitchen, and the kitchen had a, a walk-in pantry, a big walk-in pantry, but that took over, when you went in the bathroom, the bathroom was tiny, and there was a big window, but the roof of the pantry came right through, so the window was cut in halves, and so your bathroom was tiny with this window there and the top of the pantry coming across there, which the little room next door, which was obviously a bedroom, had been cut. So those th three rooms were were a real mess. And was it like that when you bought it? That's how it was when we bought it. So, so what changes have you made? To what have I made? Well, I couldn't. The bathroom was. It had an old-fashioned bath in it. It didn't have a shower. So the first thing I did was to have a shower put in, 
with the, the sort of having a child with the base of it was like a bath, like a little bath like that. Um, and then it was like that for a while. Uh, the little room was used for a children's bedroom because we had that we had the, the far bedroom. The the uh, then at that stage that's, that's the bedroom that looks out onto Pierce Street. Yes. Then we had the I had the dining room in there and the lounge room in there and the kitchen in there. Now the kitchen was different. It had a little window which was looked onto nothing, looked onto that wall and had the walk-in pantry. Well, eventually I had that altered. I lost the pantry, <coughs> had the bathroom made bigger, had a, a proper shower put in or another shower put in and lost the pantry, which I wished I'd never had, hadn't lost it, I really missed it. Had the window and the, and the wash put against the window and then, and then, I used to have, I used to have the white ant people coming, John bring wood down, wood background from the farm, and I used to have the white ant people coming in, and they used to come every year. Then I noticed, and I had, there was a, a, a door through there, this was a little room like that, and that was a, another, there was a, 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 a wall there, and there was a big, Cupboards the other side. That's on the east side of the house. Yes, here. And there was, here was nothing. It was bricks or something. And I had a friend. You should never have a friend to do alterations, a builder friend. And he did a lot of alterations. And he put in a lot of pine things, which he said were treated, but I don't think they were. Anyhow, what happened was the bathroom, the, the toilet, I found the little lumps of brown, looked like brown sand, called in the, the people, the maintenance people. They said, I said, is that, that, that uh, white ants? No, 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 this is answer. So when I decided, well, I couldn't cope with the kitchen, it was weird, it was small. So I got somebody in and the only thing we could do because of the, the roof, was to turn this, have the kitchen out here. This is on the yes. south side of the house. Yes. So when they went to do it, the guy put his hand up, he was, you know, pulling down everything, and it went right through the whole room, and in part of this room, was just eaten away. The only thing holding up was the steel window, the frame of that window, that the whole room had gone, and one original uh, jarra pot, a big pine, was the only thing ever holding the ceiling up. I got them back, and I said, look at this. And they said, oh, but no, no, that's not white ants. I said, it is white ants, there's nothing left of it. Now they said, there must be borers, and I said, no. So I rang up the firm, and I said, I want somebody out here like yesterday, to clean up the white ants. No, we can't. What do you mean? Well, you won't pay for it. Of course I'll pay. I'm asking for treatment. So they sent a fellow out and he said, oh my God, I've never seen anything like this. Don't you let them get away with this. So I just, yeah, anyhow, 
the whole thing had to be rebuilt and this is what we've got now which is much better it's a bigger kitchen i can you know i can move when did you when did you move in it on a permanent basis when yes. when um stephen when we came down for stephen he was a no for, for i had one kim was having problems she was having fits, epileptic fits, and uh, at that stage she had finished school. I had her booked in as a, a boarder. I had a great thing about the kids getting out of the country area and coming down to Cottesloe. But, I mean, I just felt that sort of too many young kids, they could, we only had a junior high school at Wilcatchum, and depending on what they wanted to do, if there wasn't enough, you couldn't do that subject. And I saw kids just meet a girl when they were 15 in the town, and that was it, you know. And I it always felt there was another side of the world, too, you know, and, and that Stephen didn't have to go on the farm. The farm wasn't going to disappear. He, I always felt, see, my husband should have gone to uni, but because he was father had been killed, when he was eight, he had to. He went to uh, to uh, to uh, college um, in Northern Waters. I can't remember agricultural college. And when he should have been going to uni, he came and took on the farm. And he always regretted. He's got a very very good mind, and he always regretted. But he said, "I had no choice. I had a sick brother, and I had a mother, and I had a farm to run." So I, I, I wanted my kids to have a choice of what they wanted to do. It was sort of. About 1982 when you moved into yeah, 11? It, yes, probably. But prior to that, used to come down and Stephen was here and he had, he had some boys living here. So the family were using it, but that's when you and John made it your permanent home. I always said, OK. This is my room, you know, I always kept our room and the kids' room. And, um, I mean, it's not good to leave a house empty. And, I mean, there were drugs around at that stage, oh dear. So has, has Pierce Street changed much over the years? What, the whole street, mm -hmm. yes. Mm -hmm. In what way has it changed? The bottom was another great big guest house. Um, next to that were there's two little houses the same that I call little Tudor houses. They made that huge one of the first blocks of flats that went down here. And so tiny inside. Terrible. Tiny little alleyways. And then the Tudor houses were next to those, two little houses. Then there was a spare block which has been built on. Then there was Atwell's, uh, Atwood's, our tennis court, this house. Across the road originally was just nothing. It was Miss Pete, the Peets, the Miss Peets you see there, they owned a lot of land. They owned half of Pier Street. The next corner they owned half of that Dean Street going up. Um, what sort of people were they? There were two sisters, two old sisters, spinster stitches, so that, that sisters that I remember. Not very sociable. I mean, as kids, 
they were, you know, the Miss Peets, that's it. And so from here, up going up Pier Street, there was no house on the corner. There was one house halfway up and the great big house at the top, which has been knocked down, they built a new one. Always Hills was there, that's the house across there that had the, the ones where they used to always have the fates. And next door to them was, was the tennis court and it was very funny because the house was sold, the tennis court was sold, a two-storey house was built on that. Next thing, that's knocked down and the tennis court's been put up back up again. And then while I was away, this corner house here was Colin Campbell, who was the local chemist, Mosson Park. He built that house there. And then uh, next door to them was the Morrisons, and he was the only son of them. Uh, they were big, big furniture people. And that, there, were, there were three... three sisters, one married a Morrison, the other two never married, and they've owned this great big house in John Street, Cottesloe, which is the one that Twiggy, you know, the, the big man, who used to live Twiggy next door. Twiggy Forest, you mean? Who, yeah, he used to live next door here. He was just a little fellow that worked <laughs> in the stock market. I remember him. What did you think of him? Oh, he was quite a nice guy, you know, very pleasant, he was tall. And his father was delightful, and they've bought a block round in uh, John Street, Salvado Street, and I think that's where Don's living now. But um, <laughs> just thinking about the whole of Cottesloe as opposed to Dean and Pier Streets, mm. how would you say that the buildings and the streets have changed over the years? Well, the next street up used a little shop, which used to be on the corner that sold everything, McGilvray's, and he went from there, he went to Cottesloe and built a great big thing in Napoleon Street, big so supermarket. The, the corner shops have disappeared. Well, yeah, the corner shop was there for a number of years, number of people, and um, then finally it was sold for, uh, and the house built on it. Um, in, in what, what, how have the buildings changed? Well, on the opposite corner was uh, which is now flats, used to be a huge house that went halfway up Salvado Street and came round into into Avermore Terrace with a big family that lived there. There seemed to be dozens of children. Now that was finally sold and, and you know, a lot of units have been built. And what do you, what do you think about the units and the little bit of house? I don't like them. Why not? Because they've knocked down lovely houses, and and they're not sort of beautiful units. I mean, you look at Latham, the places they're putting up there look absolutely ghastly. You know, they. So you wouldn't want that to come to Cottesloe. I well, you can't stop it. With so many people want. Of, want this house. I've had it for years and years. I get letters and and we really, John was going to put three units here. He got down, he had all the plans drawn up and I was living, still living in Cordova 
that stage, I think. No, I was no, I was living here. And the thought of living in this in a unit and the tiny little rooms, I mean, uh, living on the farm and coming down here, you know, it. I, I just couldn't, I, I thought anyhow, it put me in hospital, I was so upset about him. Uh, I mean, the agent used to say, well, what's wrong, this is a silly old house, you know, what's good about it? And, and um, anyhow, I, John suddenly realised that he'd have that much land. The, there was a fellow interested in one of these units, and the architect was building to what he wanted. And I said, no, no, no. Anyhow. See, this house has been built in the middle of the block. It's really too big. There's the block next door, which John has got all this junk in it, and he won't sell it. It's a pity he won't sell it, because the kids love to, you know, they're part owners. Three times I've, I've had to, well, I've paid to have subdivision, and had the, you know, the water put on, the everything put on, and but you have to clear the whole the trees. I got John had to talk to John, but he said, "Do what you like." And I got somebody in, and uh, he he was to give me a coat, and he was sitting here. And John came out. John was supposed to be at the farm, but turned up. He always does, and um, told the guy that he owned this house. I didn't. And so, Fleur, is it the house that you love, or if, if say bits of the house? I, it's the I look. I could manage the house, but it's the garden and it's the junk. Right. It really is. So if if you could magic this house away and put a brand new large house on the block, would you be as happy there as you are here? Well, I'd, I'd like to be in that corner. Something smaller from the garden point of view. Mm. So it's not the house you're attached to, it's, it's well, more the, the size and the location. I think it's the location. The river, the, the, I love the ocean. I love to be able to see the ocean. Um, I even love the, I mean, it's hopeless for gardening because of all the salt air, but I love the salt air. I love to, be, to just walk along the beach. In fact, it's only for the dogs that I have to go up there. When I, I went to the council and I said, why can't the dogs go straight down? Because you can't swim there. And this is when it was a bit dodgy to go down, a woman on her own, up that end when you've got all the up hills. the south side. Yes, it was, it was a bit dodgy. It isn't too bad now because there's always people there, you know, and it's been boats and things. And I said to the council, why can't we go, say, like you are at North Cottage, so go down till nine o'clock in the morning. There's, and you know what they said? The stench of the dogs would upset the golfers. And I said, I beg your pardon. That is ridiculous. So hence, you can't take the dogs in if you do, the, the ranger. He'll follow you if you see your dog. He'll watch you and see whether you go down there or go further up. Now but, tell me about the rubbish dump. You, 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 um... Well, just here, across the road. They're all from, from, from here. Pierce. Yes, just across the road, not the golf course. Next to the golf course, this, all that house is always, as long as I remember, that house has been there right on the top, which is now the, the rugby place. There was the, the, the rubbish tip. 
that's where all your rubbish went. And I mean, that that was it. They did it. And and then I can't remember what year. Then they decided the council decided to shift the rubbish tip and turn that into an oval. Now on that oval a bit further on the you know it's like two ovals the far one every week the apple cart used to come did i tell you about the apple cart yes you did mm. and that would because you've got that wall and there's the golf course they back the truck up to the wall on the and then you'd just stand underneath with your bag they had a chute and it was filled with apples but um i mean the rubbish they just it you know it would smell it would smell a bit awful stench. But in that stage, there was no house, those houses weren't there. And so, it, you know, it came across, it was only the horses that were there. I don't even know whose horses they were, but they were lovely horses. And at what stage did the rubbish dump become an oval? Well, that was after I'd shift, we'd shifted to uh, North Cottesloe. Right, so it was so, after the war? Yeah, oh yes, it was after the war, But yes. before you married? Yes, yes. And thinking about things like the horses, mm. um, can you remember any areas where there was the natural environment, still a bit of bush or um, anything? Oh, like yes. Round the, uh, round the greens and things, there was still bush on the golf course, mm. you know, and because we used to hide in that with... with a dog called Rennie that belonged to a boy up there and it was all the bush was around the green and we'd hide when the ball got on there Rennie would hop out grab the ball and we'd run oh look we were naughty <laughs> um, was there any um, things like goannas or kangaroos or anything around no kangaroos oh you always got plenty you still get goannas mm -hmm. yes but not the racehorse just the the little blue tongue mm -hmm. ones any flowers? Any wildflowers? Not, not, no. They're very hard to grow here, and yet, stirp peas and uh, find out now the kangaroo paws, the pussy paws, will grow near mm, the ocean. But there was no none growing naturally. No, you had a lot of pig face growing on the the, the um, beach, mm. on the banks of the beach, which was that succulent with the flower. Yes, mm. and. Down there used to be a lot of clover growing along the railway because this is when the bridge down here only went across the railway line. It didn't go across as it now. It goes uh, from it goes across the uh, Curtin Avenue right the way across the Marine uh, across Sterling Highway to the school. But it wasn't over. You had to walk over the Sterling Highway. Then you walked over the bridge. And then you walked. Uh, that was all. The, the school. But, but there was. There might have been clover, but there was no native plants. No, no, not no. Right. Um, and what about guest houses? There seem to be quite a few guest houses. Yes. In the place. Um, uh, uh, down at Cottesloe, there was the. Um, what's it called? Um, well, there was um, Hostel Manly. Uh, Hostel Manly, that was very popular. Then there was the one down the bottom of the Pier Street, the one at the bottom of Dean Street, and there was one next to that in Marine Parade, next to Dean Street. What sort of people used to come and stay in them? Uh, mainly country people. 
and mainly a holiday time. Then there was um, Mrs. Greenhalgh lived in, uh, what was her name? You know, two streets up, there's the, the, you've got the big house with the lighthouse on the top. The house with the lighthouse, yeah. Yes. Well, opposite that is the huge house that they've been doing up. That, but you know, I can't think of the people. It, the one that was used for, for stables and for stopping over. That was a guest I'm sorry. That was a guest house. Now, it belonged to Miss Cassidy, the Cassidy family, and Miss Cassidy never married, but it was left in her in the will that she would live there for the rest of her life and then it was to go to I think to a Roman Catholic school or something but anyhow Miss Cassidy had that as a guest house uh, and there were people that were living there permanently Mrs Greenhalgh who was an artist and she did a lot of wonderful paintings of the ocean when the storm was coming. Um, she had a son who we all played with, and I can't think of his name now, but it, it ended up she was the only one there because Miss Cassidy couldn't afford to maintain the place. And after Mrs. Greenhalgh died or left, after the, she disappeared, she didn't have a husband. I'd, I think he had died in the war. Um, Miss Cassidy had this fellow called Bob, who sort of caretaked, and when she died, she had it in her will and left it to him. So he put it on the market for five million and quite a few years ago, and nobody took up. Then he tried to break it up, and I think. He couldn't do that because of the heritage listing on it. So now he's put, he's, I think he's had a lot of money given to him by the government. To It's got this be two beautiful staircases in it. A very, very old house. I'm trying to think of the name of the family that had it. A well-known family and they used to use part of it for their when they came up with their horses and things of stables. Then next door to that was Lefenu House. Now, all I can remember about Lefenu, that was a church house, uh, very old, and because we used to go there as church groups and stay there for a few days. It was, it was a fun to do that. Even though it was only just down the street from home. Really. Oh yes, yes, but it was fun because you apple pie beds and you know you we were young, very young, early teenagers, and it was just fun. You know, we walk up to Cottesloe and watch the dancing at the the dance on top. So, and so church groups used to go and stay at the yes, house. Yes, yes, and then it was falling to pieces and then they, that stopped and it was bought by, what's her name, oh, she, she'd built a house right next door to it and because she wasn't allowed to do anything about it, in fact the chimney started falling down and she had it removed 
and she was fined ten thousand dollars, which she got out of it. What's her name? Anyhow, she's living in this huge house she built, but somehow they've, they've lifted this heritage thing, and it's been sold, finally sold, and I believe the person that's bought it is going to live in it, but they're going to bring it back to what it was. It was a beautiful house, beautiful old house, but money never spent on it, mm. and the heritage wouldn't spend on it, and they wouldn't let anybody do anything. Anyhow. It's good to know that someone's going to restore it. Yes. Um, let's talk about your dad and in relation to his, um, his career with the council. Now, um, I think he was born about 1893, mm. and I think he died in about 1986. Mm. Um, but he was on the council from 1936 to 1961. Yes. Have you any recollections of him being on council? Or have you any idea yes. why, he's, why he wanted to be on council? Well, he was always very interested in the town, in the things for the town. The first council, what I remembered, the council chambers was on the corner of Jared Street and Broom Street. In the front of it, right on the corner, was a hall. And next to that was the council chambers, which was, well, it was just a, a room. We used to go up there because the RSL used to meet there. And Dad was uh, in the, was in the First World War, so, um, and then that was there until they bought the Civic Centre, uh, and then they shifted over to that. Mm. But um, now he had a part in, in he played a part in in getting the um, yes he lodge, did didn't yes. He? And how did he do that? What was involved there? Well, meeting uh, ministers and. God knows what, because I just remembered him saying, we've got it. It was between Cottesloe and a Roman Catholic school or something Roman Catholic. It was a school now. I've got in the back of my mind Roman Catholic. They got it for £45,000. And that was the whole of Civic Centre and all the land which was empty right down to Marine Parade, which they subdivided and sold and virtually got all their money. Um, the Civic Centre was a lot of maintenance sort of had to be done over time, uh, especially the tower. That was very bad. They had to, I think they had to remove that. Um, but um, Was it his idea to actually try and buy the buy Overton Lodge? Oh, for the council. Yeah, well, I don't know whether his idea it would be from, I think Johnny Foreman, or or was it that was mayor at that stage, or was it Laurie Gadsden? I'm not sure. It was one or the other, and the the council decided, and um, Dad must have been the spokes, one of the spokesmen, mm. getting it. But um, it it's a. So do you feel he stood for council because he was interested in the area then, is that what Yes, you're... yes, very interested. He always was, as he is. He, he wasn't a man to fix things, he was a man to write and, uh, and interview and, uh, you know, that sort of thing, the journalistic side of him. What, a good yeah. communicator then? Yes, yes. And how mm. did he get on with people? How did he get on with the ratepayers? Quite well, 
But mum was the one that, you know, a good woman behind any man. I mean, he was very good, but you know, when he was home. But, um, you know, and he used to go to everything. He was, you know, in the war, he was the air raid warden for the section. Um, you know, he was sort of always there, always at me. So, so what was your mum's part then? Mm. How, how was she supportive? Well, as mayoress, is just there. She used to, you know, run the the bridge club, and, and you know, she she sort of did things and from the ladies' point of view. Um, she used to sort of, you know, a great lady for hats. She wore hats all everywhere. She always looked charming. She was everybody liked her. And to see, she used to just sort of smooth things over, I think. But um, now he he was he was a good he was a good, very good man. You know, they used to do the run of the beaches every week, and I'd say, "You men, you don't even know what's going on the beach. You sit in your cars and do your beach inspections, and but um, you know." And he loved dogs, and he was actually mayor from nineteen sixty one to seventy four. Mm. Do you know what prompted him to become mayor? Well, Laurie Gadsden wanted to retire. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was always, you know, sort of deputy with, with Laurie Gadsden and Maurie McMahon, I think he left the council just a few a few years ago. I think he was the last old one that was on it. And when Laurie had enough, Dad stood and got in. And um, following Dad was um, Dr... Uh, He lives just opposite the, the Oval now. Oh God, I can't think of his name now. Never mind, it'll be in the record. Yes, he was a doctor. Mm. Um, and he actually um, stopped being mayor in 1974. What made him give it away? Well, his health. He was, you know, he, and forgetting things and, you know, he he sort of just had enough. And in 1974, he was made a freeman yes. of the mm. town of Cottesloe. Yes. Was there a was there a presentation or a yes, celebration? Yes, he got a, a medal, and uh, they had a. I can't remember much because, I think I was probably up in, Corda. You know, um, he loved dogs. He adored dogs. They had sheets and blankets, and you know. So he, he didn't mind having lots of dogs around Cottesloe then? Oh no, he was the one that was that stopped them having, sorry, the dog cart. They used to have the dog cart. Yes, you told me about the dog yeah, cart. Yeah, what we you? used to do, yes. Um, but he was the one instrumental to to get that stopped. Because, um, and now if, if dogs are picked up, they're taken to the vet and they hope that they've, they've all got the little chip in there yes. and like my dog's collar apart from the chip they've got the the um, phone number of the, yes. the vet yes. and um, I mean I've had the dog catcher bring my dogs home in the back of his car eating a biscuit. <laughs> Sounds like a good sort of dog that, He was a good that one, I don't think he's there anymore but he was, the dogs had got out and they had, I had a little... Uh, 
brown kelpie. No, 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 I had, I had a, 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 a staffy, and they'd gone down, must have been P Penny's other dog, big one, they'd gone, gone down to near where the people surf, and they're such friendly dogs, and two ladies were walking along, and these dogs go plonk, plonk, plonk over to them, and which the ridgebacks will jump up to say hello. And of course, they reported to the council that there were wild dogs chasing them. Oh, and so he arrived here in his car with one in the back seat with a biscuit, one in the front seat with a biscuit. And I said, for goodness sake, you know, and he told me, he just, and I said, well, what do I owe? He said, oh, nothing. <laughs> Try and keep them in. So there was nice people. Yes. <laughs> Well, it's obviously where you get your love of dogs from if your dad likes Oh, them, yes. Now, Harvey Field was named um, in honour of his contribution to um, Cottesloe yes. in March 1971. Do you remember mm. anything about that? No, I don't. I remember Mum just telling me. Right. I, I, I was, you know, living at the farm. Right. But and the OBE in June Yes, we all went to that. Right, that tell me about lovely. that. Why was he awarded it? Well, for his services to community, right, and uh, you know, and to a local government. And and what was the occasion like? Tell me about. It was that. very nice. It was a government house, and you know, he was with the whatever it was they have. I don't know what sword. I can't remember that. But you know, it was we all had to have new clothes and went along, and it was very nice. And you know, there were there was a, you know a crowd, several people were knighted for whatever they all uh, given the award. It was it was great. It was lovely. And he was very, very thrilled. My father was very hard to get along with because he had been sent out from England when he was 18. We weren't allowed to know any of his family. And there was always mention of twins and nobody would talk about it. So he didn't trust me. And I, could, I didn't know about all this stuff, and I never knew why, you know, if, I, I mean, I was at PLC and I was friendly with Scotch boys, and I remember the captain of the football team ringing up and asking me to go to the football dance with him. And I put the phone down and said to Mum and Dad, they were sitting around, she oh, so-and-so was asked me to the football dance with him, can I go? My father never said a word. He got up, picked up the phone, and said, "She's not going." Bang, and I, I said, "Why? You're too young." He wanted me to stay home and do needlework, not work. So afterwards, you know, later years, I thought, "This is obviously he was the youngest of ten. This is probably why he." So I said, "We had always had to have a hot roasted dinner at midday on Sunday." whether it was 150 in the shade or what. But he still, he never went back to England again, but he still wanted to have that life. He wanted to maintain that English tradition. Yes, yes. Why do you think he never went back? Well, I don't know. After he died, my brother and I took mum, well, we, we, we got in contact, one of his brother's children, uh, wrote to to mum and said she's trying to get a family thing going. Anyhow, we took mum for a trip and we and they met up with the twins, which was perfectly all right. And we met up with 
one of his brothers and their families and and it was the first time see mum was born in England but brought out here she was the eldest living of ten and then she was taken back uh, as to mind the children and when we went to take her she never she'd never had a passport so she could only get a British passport even though she'd been here for 67 years or something and when we finally got her a passport and we did and when she came back they rang up and said she can only stay two years said she's got to get out and I said oh, I can't believe that her husband fought in the war but he well he he I don't know I thought he would have fought for the British but he fought for the Australians and you know, they were supposed to be able to live here. Anyhow, at all, Mum said, I don't care, I'll go back to England. So did you find out anything about his um, his early life in England? Yes, well, that that they ne they're never quite sure about these twins, but her eldest brother said that they were his and adopted them. The twin girls that were very elderly when we saw them, uh, he was quite spoiled because he was the youngest. <coughs> he um, he had a good voice and he was on the stage for a while. He was a Piro. Uh, this is in the days when they had Piro and Pirates. And, um, uh, and then he was sent out here when he was 18. So was he sent or why would he be sent? Well, because of all this trouble with these twins, these right. two girls. Was there was some suggestion that he might have fathered them? Well, that's that's what they thought of had. And never, really never got a direct answer. It was just that his eldest brother said, no, they're mine. But there was always, oh, we don't believe that type of thing. But, um, and we met his... Another brother of his, who he was, he was very good artist, and uh, and and his wife, and then we, his son lives in Canada, and we went to Canada and saw him. He came out here, could not stand the flies. We took him to Ayers Rock, and he locked himself in the bus because he said, "Why are the flies attacking me and not you?" And I said, <laughs> "Well." Because we're used to them, we just wave, you know. But um, you, you mentioned that um, your dad had been in the First World War. Yes. And he was president of the RSL. Yes. Um, do you know where he saw service in the in the First World War? Yeah, at Gallipoli. He was he was um, in in hospital for about three months. He was injured in the in the leg, I think. He was shot in the leg. Um, he. He has a big book about Gallipoli, you know, and um, he used to talk about the fellow that had the mule, the donkey that used Simpson. to go. Simpson, yes. And he had a picture drawn of Simpson, signed by Simpson. I should try and follow that up. Um, Did he ever talk about his war service? No, no, not. Not very much. He mailed with my brother. He, my, my brother uh, sat down and did a recording for him. But my brother lives in Melbourne, and he took the photo album too, which I, you know, I would like to have got some copies from some of the photos. Your um, dad was also a JP. Yes. Yes. Um, 
so, so all in all, he seems to be a very community-conscious yes. man. Yes. Um, what, what do you think made him like that? I don't know. He was always sort of a journalist and, and the secretary of the, of the National Party. Then he went back to journalism again. Um, it's just that, well, he met Mum in, in Cottesloe, in John Street, uh, at a place called, it was a boarding house called Seldom Inn, which is a lovely big house now on the corner of, of um, Broom Street and John Street, called Seldom Inn. <laughs> and uh, they'd met down at, at um, De in John Street at another little guest house that uh, Hilda Gadsden's parents and sister owned. Um, maybe that's how they met, met the Gadstons to begin with, uh, probably were. Then they played tennis at the tennis club when it was down where the parking area is. Um, he was patron of the tennis club while he was mayor. Um, they had their own court so they played here rather than the club. So I don't remember them playing at the club. Um, I don't know, he was always got meetings and... What was he like as a dad? Oh, he was good. Every Friday night he'd come home with lollies. He'd, he'd bring comic books for us each, you know, whichever one. He'd be by, always bought The Humour. The Humour was a book for the, you know, it was a nice book, a just jokey book. And he had a lot to do with the mirror, but I wasn't allowed to read the mirror. <laughs> That was all about the, you know, the detectives down at the nude beach and things like that. If I ever got a copy, I wanted to go, oh, and but he always had two or three bags of lollies. That were the week's lollies, and I know we used to always wait for Dad to come home with his case on a Friday. And what have you got, Dad? What lollies have you got? Uh, he had a little car, the Loston, and he used to. You know, we used to go, uh, of an evening, you know, a couple of times we'd go down to the Cottesloe to the the Scutum cars and the, those things. And that must have been during the war, too. They still went. Was he strict? Yeah, he was strict. He was very protective of me. And that's, I could not understand. But, you know, I mean, I... I was with a church group, uh, this was uh, a lot of friends, Reese Fremantle, and we, we used to have parties, then we'd go and see the, the Mr. Patron, you know, in our evening clothes and go to church with him on Sunday mornings because we liked Mr. Painter. And here we, we sort of, we went to Rottnest, it was New Year's Eve. Now, Patrick McCarthy that lived here and Junior Hutchison that lived down there, I knew they were at Rottnest and they had a tent. Anyhow, it went over, and Junior and Pat said, oh, why don't you stay, Fleur, for New Year? It's great fun. So I conveniently missed the boat back. And then I rang Mum and said, oh, I missed the boat. So Mum said, okay, are you all right? I said, yes, I'm with Patrick and Junior. I know I'm all right. I knew, because these were my friends. And when Dad got home from work, 
which was before midnight, but still pretty late. He said, where's Fleur? So mum broke the news. So he rang up the control of the island and said, I want to charter a plane to bring my daughter home. And the controller said, well, I'm sorry, it's New Year's Eve and we don't have planes like that. And then he said to them, I want to find her who and where is she sleeping. So when I came back the next day, I was grounded and I was told that's what he'd said. And I was very upset because I, was with, I said I was with Patrick and Junior. I mean, I was all right. And, you know, and he just, why he wouldn't trust me. Very protective. Yes. Um, just, just thinking about Cottesloe all over, mm. the community, the sort of people that live and used to live in Cottesloe, how mm. has that changed? The sort of people that used to live in Dean Street and, and around and the sort of people that live there now, what sort of people, how has that changed? Well, when I, <clears throat> when I used to come down, you know, to, to 5 Dean Street, the Bibles were still across the road. Um, next to them was... Um, um, oh, God, what was this? 10, 10 11, 12. Well, Dick Bible was a dentist. He was a dentist. He didn't talk much. And your dad was a journalist. Dad was a journalist. So was it working class sort of people? Well... Yes, uh, Hoffman, uh, Mr. Hoffmaster, he just looked after his guest house. Um, Mrs. M uh, the uh, number, she, she, was a, she was an elderly woman, so she didn't have a husband, the one that lived at, at, at six. Well, are people as friendly now as they used to be? Well, uh, yes, I'll tell you why, because now Stephen's in there with his partner, and She's very friendly with the people next door, the people not diagonally across. Very, that she, they've got three boys and she's got a boy, they're all the same age. They all love surfing. He's the same age as Stephen. She and they get along well together. Not the people, they don't, the house next door, very grumpy, don't see that. They know. The, the councillor lives at the top house. But you, Fleur, are you, are you still finding the newcomers that come in as friendly as the old ones? Well, I don't know many of them in Dean Street. Right, but around here? No, the... they're not nearly as friendly. I never see the boys next door. I had a lot to do with Julie Morrison. We were very friendly, but that's because my grandson came to live with me when he was three, full-time, and he was here for 16 years. And he didn't leave till he was 19. And in that period, I was involved with the kindy, Seaview Kindy, which is very good. We had, my kids I sent down because we didn't have a kindy in quarter. They stayed with mum for the last term, simply because they were not socialising. You did, couldn't, when you lived miles and miles from each other. And there was a kindy at the end of... Of, of Federal Street in Cottesloe, a lovely little kindy, where Dad had organised them to get a missing hut. This is after the war, which was made into kindy. So that's where Stephen went. Mum, Mum just took on, took him over. You know, must have been so hard for her, because Dad was a grumpy thing. He was retired, you know, and a bit grumpy. Um, 
But Judy, I started the kindy in Corder when it came to Judy because I'm living so far out of town. I was living in town, but knowing these children and knowing that the first six months of school, a lot of them were having trouble because they, they couldn't settle in. So we found with, and I had the kindergarten union helping me, we established this kindy and it opened, was open every day because you never knew when people were coming in. And you just taught the kids to integrate and pencil control and, mm. you know, just this third sort of things. So Stephen had that three months here, then he came back to Corder. Judy, no, but, but Shannon, my grandson, he was over at Seaview, across here, very nice little kindy the council had opened, which is still going, it felt very good. Then he was at Cottesloe, and just at that stage they started, like, it used to just start at grade one, but then they had preschool the year before, so that was connected to the Cottesloe School. And then they just carried on into the school. So, thinking back over the years, what can you just sum up um, what Cottesloe, what living in Cottesloe has meant for you? Just in a few words, tell me what, is, what comes into your mind when you think about Cottesloe and Dean Street. Very friendly. Um, very happy, never lonely, and just, just a very happy lifestyle, you know, it was, it was, um, and very friendly, just, well, and I still see some of them, you know, you still run into them. One girl lived in Lillian Street and I, she gave me a photo. I, I, you know, we, we went to PLC, then we each went our own way and I went away and then I went to farm. Then what, five or six years ago, uh, I used to occasionally see Margaret and say, hello, and she'd say, hello. You know, we might chat a couple of them. We, I don't know why, we suddenly became friends. Jenny, there was a Jenny Stone, I was in grade three when I met Jenny and we've always been friends and done so much together. But now Margaret's back and Margaret had cancer and she's been battling with that. But we've all good friends and she gave me this photo of, of her birthday party when she was 10, and we're all there, you know, and to, and then just, there was another girl living up here, Judy Beecher, and earlier this year, there was a reunion with all these girls that we knew, and, and then a PLC, and because Judy was head girl, and, and after all these years, to suddenly see them, it was, it was wonderful, and be able to just carry on which made you feel, we were all so happy young that we could just carry on. Mm. And that's rather... So Cottesloe has meant friendship for you. Very friendship. And very, very friendship and, and never lonely. Thank you very much for, oh. for a lovely interview. It's been Well, I know, I chatted, chatted. Thank you. But, uh,